There's only one place you can get the true Colorado Mountain Pie. It's our favorite, locally owned, legendary, unbelievably delicious pizza joint, Bojo's. The Colorado Mountain Pie has become a staple for not only natives, but for those who are just passing through and want to know where the best pizza in town is. Bojo's is the only answer. Bojo's dough is made fresh daily and contains locally sourced honey. You heard that right. They infuse their dough with the natural sweetener, and it is to die for. There's something for everyone at Bojo's. Large, delicious mountain pies for the entire family. A huge salad bar with fresh veggies galore. Colorado beer on tap. Of course, Breck Brews. And your favorite sports team playing in the background. Bojo's has private party rooms for all of your holiday get-togethers to celebrate birthdays or other large events. They have $4 happy hours in select locations, along with gluten-free and plant-based options. Nothing is more important to Bojo's than their community, which is why they are always happy to help you raise money for your fundraising causes. Host your next fundraising event at any of their five front range locations. They're also offering this holiday season select special pint glass koozies that make a great stocking stuffer. And it also comes with a $5 gift card. Check out their site today at bojos.com. That's bojos.com and tell them who sent you. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast. Ryan Konigsberg alongside Zach Stevens and Andrew Mason. As, maybe not always, but definitely working more towards as always here as we get into the offseason. And uh, boys, I want to start today's podcast with a comment that came in on yesterday's podcast. Comes in from Bronco Born, Bronco Bread. Really interesting stuff here. I think it definitely needs to be revisited. He says, RK... My Mavs play your Nuggets tonight, and I can't <laughs> wait to see in person Luca show Jokic what it's like to actually be a legitimate MVP candidate. If you want to put a pizza bet on it, I'm more than game. Well, we, d- we did that pizza bet, <laughs> and an interesting thing happened uh, where the Nuggets beat the Mavericks, earning me a pizza. Uh, Nikola Jokic scored 33 points. Um... Luka Doncic scored 27. Uh, Jokic had a much better game than Doncic. And here's where, here's where it really gets interesting. Nikola Jokic in the fourth quarter, 21 points. Any guesses on what Doncic had in the fourth quarter? I'm going to go a tenth of that. I'll go two. Okay. Mace? Four. Ah, too high in both accounts. Zero <laughs> points. Zero points for this legitimate MVP candidate in the fourth quarter in a game that he lost by one point. And then the lasting image will be him laying on the court motionless after they just threw the ball away on the last possession. <laughs> Anyways, the Broncos, how are you guys doing? Man, so Ryan, does that mean I get the pizza? I mean, you, you can't have the pizza. Uh, well, now I have two pizzas. <laughs> you just save it from when you're off keto. It's, yeah. Get a frozen pizza, stick it in the freezer. And how long are you going to do keto for, say, a few months here? 
Um, probably all the way until next football season. Okay, so you put it in the freezer, you come back to it in September, it's there waiting for you. As long as it's not freezer burned, you're good. And even if it is freezer burned, it's still edible. Is that what you want? Is that you want me to pick up a pizzeria locale and bring it over and you can freeze it for nine months? No, I'm banking pizzas. <laughs> I'm going to just keep making pizza bets until once I come off keto, I'll be fed for like months. There's no keto pizza like gluten free pizzas. There? there are. Yes, but they're not as good. I'd there, much rather just bank and save there. There are though. What about the one in uh, Chicago? Was that good? Oh, yeah. all right. That is an acceptable payment <laughs> of this pizza bet. Mace and Chicago. Chicago at um, Lou Malnati's, which is, you know, one of the more famous Chicago good. deep dish places. They have a pizza in which the crust is made out of sausage. So <laughs> it's just like a, a sausage casserole, basically. Yep. It's interesting because I, uh, I went over to um, Giordano's, another Chicago pizza place, a couple of months ago, and they now have the ability to do like a vegan cheese, vegan sausage, like impossible sausage wow. pizza. So you can actually do a vegan pizza. So it's like you've got different options at different Chicago pizza places. You <laughs> yeah. can, if you're going to go vegan, you can go to Giordano's. If you're going to go keto, you can go to Lou Malinati's. The, the sausage crust, though, oh, you know what? I'm not a big fan of Italian sausage. So that actually sounds disgusting, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> it's not really, I don't think it was like Italian sausage. It didn't have that like fragrance that Italian sausage often has. It was like more just like regular oh, sausage. Oh, this says lean sausage according to yeah. uh, the Lou Malnati's website. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah I, I don't dislike Italian sausage, but I definitely wouldn't want a full pizza made out of it. It's just there's <laughs> right. like the seat. I don't know what they put in there that makes yeah. it very like in your face. Yep. Fennel. Yeah, oh, I, I, that might be it. I really don't like fennel. That's <laughs> one of the few things that I don't like. Um, yeah, so it's it's definitely more, doesn't jump in your face as quite as much as a Italian sausage, and it is delicious. Definitely a gut bomb, but still <laughs> delicious. Uh, anyways, you guys decide however you want to pay those. We, we can just bank them and I'll use them later. Um but as we get into Bronco talk here, I think we should have a more definitive discussion on Chris Harris Jr. It's interesting to me to see the way that the fans are acting about it. And I do think there is some emotional hedging going on here where they are expecting Chris to be gone. So they're just starting the process now of saying, like, oh, we didn't want him anyway. Um <laughs> But I also think there is a fair case to be made for not wanting Chris back. I think it, for me, it starts with the fact that you don't have other reliable corners on the roster right now. And that is a very scary thought. Now, Bryce Callahan, he was like my favorite. This gets lost. He was like my favorite player in training camp. He was awesome in training camp. He was locking down dudes left and right. And then he was gone, and we never saw from him again. Um, so if you get him, then yes, you do have one reliable corner. But I think the fact that he's always injured takes him off the list of reliability. So you have zero reliability, reliable corners on the roster right now, and that can create a big problem for you in today's NFL. 
As we talked about, everyone's got receivers. You need at least two good ones. That's why we want the Broncos to draft one. But you can't have zero reliable corners on your roster because imagine if the Broncos don't bring back Chris Harris Jr. and Bryce Callahan gets injured in training camp, and then your starting corners are what? Isaac Yadam and Devontae Harris? Yeah. Now you're in big, big trouble. So that's where I think the conversation starts is are you willing to, to take a step back at corner and cross your fingers on Bryce Callahan. And that that's exactly it, Ryan, because with safety and talking about Justin Simmons yesterday, you do have another very good option there. If you lose Justin, which the Broncos aren't going to lose Justin this year no matter what, but let's say let, let let's say next year they lost him. Well, you still have Kareem Jackson. You can sign up Will Parks at a much cheaper price than Justin Simmons. So you have options there. At corner, nope. There are no options. So here, here's a question for you guys. Let, let's say you can count on Bryce Callahan to be healthy, uh, and then you know you have one cornerback. Do you agree with Chris that in order to be a great football team and make a deep playoff run, you have to have three cornerbacks? Uh, it depends on where the line is, right? You don't need three great cornerbacks. Um, you definitely don't need three elite cornerbacks. I think you need one very good corner and two good corners. So is Chris a very good cornerback? Yes. Where is he right now in his he's, career? He's no longer elite. Um, he was for a very, very, very long time. Mm-hmm. He's probably still elite in the in the slot, although we don't know because he didn't really play there this year uh, when he declined in other areas of his game. So I would say he's very good. He's very good, but the problem is – if you're bringing back Bryce Callahan, that means one of those two is not playing in the slot, and that is what each of them does best at this point. Yeah, and I think you can just ro- I think you can just kind of rotate them. Um, they were very comfortable playing Bryce on the outside going into this season. Um, it's a sen- it was essentially their plan was to play Bryce on the outside, which who knows how that would have worked out for them. So if you bring bring Chris back and Callahan's healthy, which is a big if. You have elite play in the slot and very good play outside, kind of no matter who's there, what whatever rotation is. I should say outside at one spot. Yep. And then with what the Broncos have right now, are you comfortable that that would be good enough to be that, that second outside slot? Or are they still going to need to do something, whether it's in free agency or the draft, on top of bringing Chris back? Well, if you bring Chris back, you're, definitely, you're not going to be able to do it in free agency, I don't think. Uh, especially now, you know, you talked about what, 13 million for the secondary. Yep. Okay. So now you're paying (laughs) multiple members of the secondary more than 13 million. (laughs) Right. Um, and then another one at 11. So you can't, I mean, there's no way you can go even pay 7 million because that's how much you're paying Bryce Callahan. I mean, you'd be paying like, you'd be tripling what the average is. It just seems irresponsible. So it'd probably be in the draft. Okay. Well, you're probably if you just spent all that money on Chris Harris Jr. and again in the secondary, are you using your first round pick in there? No, no. Second round, anything's on the table. Doesn't it? Probably wouldn't seem still right. not. You have a lot of holes on the team. So another third round. And that's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> I do not trust this front office to draft a third round corner. Well, the problem with the last two third round corners they've taken is that they've gone for length guys, physical guys, rather than necessarily players who were closer to finished products. But 
You may not trust this front office, but do you trust Vic Fangio? If he has influence over it. And don't forget, they'll, and this is maybe not a solution for number one corner, but you do have Devontae Bosby coming back. Oh, And there were flashes from him in those two and a half games that he was out there starting from the Packer game when he came in for Isaac Yadam. He did look like he could play well in this scheme. The Boz was our guy from like day one. Yep. Yeah. We saw him. We're like, that guy's better than Isaac. <laughs> yeah. Um, and who knows how the season would have turned out for him if he'd stayed healthy. Man, yeah. I completely forgot about the boss. And speaking of Vic Fangio liking guys, that's kind of funny because he was like one guy that Vic Fangio, I don't want to say didn't like, but continuously challenged and actually played very, very well. He well, gave him the Von Miller treatment. He did. Nothing's well, he, good enough. He, he knew Bosby, though, right. because he'd coached him in Chicago as well. And, right, and that's kind of what we always said. And he knew what he could handle. He knew what he could deal with. And with Bosby, he looked to me like a player, and we used to see this back in the NFL Europe days, that just needed some more developmental time, just needed – some reps because he went over to to the AAF and showed more than he ever had in the NFL. And he was able to go out there. And even though the work was limited to demonstrate that what he did in the AAF wasn't a fluke, that he's probably turned a corner. If he's healthy, I think he's a factor in the Broncos plans. I think they're probably thinking of him as at least a number three corner. I would actually feel pretty good about Chris Harris, Bryce Callahan, and Devontae Bosby. I feel great about that. Yeah, that makes me feel feel good. So, you lock up Chris. Let's say they lock up Chris. How comfortable are you feeling right after they lock Chris up in February? Because you don't really know about Devontae Bosby's health. I mean, he had a very serious injury. You don't really know... A bright about Bryce Callahan's health, or is that just something where you, you say we're rolling the dice because we really have no other options? Um, this is like when when you're at the tables in Vegas and you're just like, I have to win the next game. <laughs> like you're just like, there's no way the injury thing can come up again <laughs> right. and and just to, you know devour us. Yeah. Um, you don't. You're not a hundred percent comfortable, and unfortunately, I don't think at any point during the season you're going to feel that way. Um, you're always going to be crossing your fingers on Bryce Callahan. Um, and, and honestly, if you lose one of those guys, you're back to scratching and clawing. Yep. So, I mean, this is the story of football. Like, you, depth is so important, and you have to have it, and you're probably going to lean on it at some point at every position. Um, but, man, I just can't, you know – Talking about going in the third round, as much as I do trust Vic Fangio, I just can't get past the fact that they drafted a guy in the third round who wasn't comfortable moving backwards. That is incredible. A lot's changed since then. They they had to have the worst possible draft to make the necessary corrections. It's like 2017 had to happen and be a complete disaster all around for the successes of the last two drafts. Speaking of third-round cornerbacks. But also in that last two drafts includes Isaac Adam. Yes. Yep, yep. And, and third but sometimes round. You, but you're not going to be perfect. You're going to miss on some of those. Yes. And I don't put him in the same category as Devontae Bosby. Remember, they did coach Isaac Yadam 
as well down at the Senior Bowl. Of course, that being said, you coached Isaac Yadam. You coached Josh Allen. You decided you wanted Yadam, but you didn't want Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, two very <laughs> I know. different situations. I will say this. Um, Isaac, the reason that I think they fell in love with Isaac Yadam at the Senior Bowl, one, he had a really good Senior Bowl. Two, he, he has what it takes upstairs to be good. He is really competitive. I, I just – the word I always come back to with Yadam is a bulldog. He – he, you know, wants to bark and growl, and he's not necessarily, um, you know, mentally fractured if he gets burned. So he ha- I think they liked the fact that he had all that, and, it, and that's true. Unfortunately, his skill set has not translated well to the NFL. Um, if I was taking, like, a dark horse pick, though, for someone who might just out of, the, out of nowhere just blossom, I think I would put Isaac Adam on my list. Well, here's another thing. Let's say you've moved on from – Chris Harris Jr., and you have to go sign a quarterback one. Where does Will Parks fit in? Because you could re-sign him, and he could be your slot corner in addition to being your primary backup safety. He could. Yeah, and I, I feel comfortable with the depth the Broncos have at cornerback with Devontae Bosby slash Isaac Yadam as the third, fourth guy. I, I like that, and I think you just you're in a position where you have to roll the dice. And you have to just get one cornerback and spend big on one cornerback. So is it Chris? Is it Chris? Or are you saying, are you kind of doing a Dominique rogers Camardi situation where DRC, when he was here for that one year, he was he was balling. He was really good. He, he revitalized his career. And then he said, all right, I'm looking for the money. And John said, uh, instead of giving you that money, we're going to go give it to Aqib Tlaib. Is John going to do something like that that's where it's really interesting to me um i think you would have to i don't know i think you're gonna have to get some information that a guy wants to be here you know and if that's byron jones sign me up yeah um if you can get him that's fine i i i love chris harris jr i don't think a change of scenery for both sides is a bad thing um i think it would get some fresh perspective in the cornerback room I think Chris, you know, would would feel re-energized going playing for a new team. I think that could be the right thing. But you can't come up empty-handed here. I mean, you literally cannot come up empty-handed. So it's Chris, it's Byron Jones. Maybe there's a second-tier guy that we're not thinking about yet that they're really high on. You got to get something or else you're going into the draft with a massive hole and your hands are kind of tied you might even have to trade up to get, you know, Akuda. Can you can you get a second tier guy in free agency though? Like like it, would that be good enough? Again, if if it's a guy who Vic Fangio just says like this guy fits my scheme perfectly. Remember, he he was able to um make Devontae Harris look like a good player for like 4 weeks. Yeah. Before finally he started getting exposed. Well, there is Will Fuller's brother on the market. Again, yeah, yeah. Kendall Fuller. Right, right, out, out of, of Kansas, Kansas City. City. So, yeah. that's something to or Kyle Fuller probably. I don't, I always get my Fullers <laughs> f- flustered. There's Kyle no. Kyle Fuller in Chicago, Will Fuller in Houston, but Kendall Fuller, of course, is somebody the Chiefs may not be able to afford to to retain. The other thing, the to Fuller consider, market couldn't be any Fuller. <laughs> it's a Fuller house. Not just a full house. <laughs> the other thing is sounds like a really bad spinoff. 
Yes, it does. <laughs> Actually, it came up on Jeopardy last night. It was an, it was a question. What is Fuller House? What is it? What? Is uh, that it's a like thing? the free agency a sitcom, market in the yes. NFL. Yes. No, that's not what it was. They say it was a sitcom that was revived, but it would have been inaccurate. Wait, so there actually was a Fuller House? Yeah. Oh, I was just making a joke. No, I think it was on Netflix. There actually is a Fuller House. They brought it back. I remember that now. Right, right. It's like Dumb and Dumber. -er. Yes. (laughs) Such a bad name. But another thing with Chris Harris Jr. Are you guys perfectly fine with the only two remnants of Super Bowl 50 on the team for 2020 basically being Von Miller and Brandon McMass. And yep. Derek Wolf. If it's okay. Just, even, even if it's just those two, I'm totally fine with that. They need to move on yeah. from Super Bowl 50, in my opinion. I, I think the fewer, and I'm not saying get rid of all of them, because I, especially Von, and we know he's going to be back. I think it's time that everyone lets go of that. It's interesting because thinking back over the years, this Bronco team is the first one that I can recall where being connected to a Super Bowl winning team seems to be a negative check mark it's, rather yeah. than an attribute. Yeah, it's weird. It's this whole like wanting it to be that way thing again that just isn't ever going to happen. Um, Peyton Manning, right? Peyton ain't walking through <laughs> yeah. that door. And I do think there's a weird, like, fracture. I, I think that's putting a, a, a too big of a word on it. There's a divide between players on the team who won Super Bowl 50 and players who didn't. And I think whether it's um, outward or subliminal, I think there's, like, a the guys who won Super Bowl 50 kind of look down on these guys who have never even been to the playoffs. Yep. Yeah, and, and I think it's... You know, again, whether it's outward or uh, subliminal as well, it's the guys that were part of that team kind of like, oh, you don't really know what it's like. You know, this is how we do it. And they're like, no, no, the the young guys are like, no, that's, you know, not how we're doing it nowadays. And they're like, oh, well, you don't know what it takes, so you wouldn't know. And I I agree. It it is weird, but Mesa, it's a very weird point because it should be that you want these guys. But as the years have gone on, when I think of, of that, it I just I want a fresh start. I'll never forget. And again, uh, it's funny that Shelby Harris has become a villain here because he's a good guy. But I'll never forget what he said about Philip Lindsay, which was that guy's never done anything in this league. Who's going to listen to him? Right. Or something along those lines. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. you know exactly quote him there. But it was in that it was in that vein, and he was like, Joe Flacco has been a Super Bowl MVP. How is anyone going to listen to Philip Lindsay over Joe Flacco or Von Miller? So I think what we're saying is that the guys who are telling the younger players this is how we do it are the only ones in the locker room who actually remember the release of the song, This Is How We Do It. (laughs) This is how we do it. This is how we do it. It's Friday night. (laughs) The party's here on the west side, although Dove Valley's on the south side of town. But the west side of the country. Yeah. And also, the the stadium is on the west side of downtown. It's west of I-25. Yep. Right. Well, there was a party there once, but Mm. it has passed us long ago. Um, no, there, there, and then there was another party, and Chad Kelly was there. And, uh, anyways, anyways, and then Chad Kelly had to go east. Yep. After it, yeah. Yep. 
I'm sure there's still some people out there who think that Chad Kelly should be the starting quarterback. Of the no, I'm sure. Did he take his Woody costume to Indianapolis? That's what I want to know. Oh, boy. I hope not. I hope he just got rid of it. One time when I was in high school, I got in a lot of trouble, and I never wore the shoes I was wearing that night again. She <laughs> <laughs> felt like they were cursed. Every time I looked at it, it was just bad vibes. But the shoes were bad, not the shorts and, and the T-shirt? Yeah, something about the shoes. Or were there no no shorts? I spent a lot of time that evening just staring at my shoes, and yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I I didn't commit any like legitimate crimes. It's just just so that's clear. (laughs) There were no vacuum poles involved. No vacuum hoses. Well, actually, it's similar to that situation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah, it's just less. I guess what Chad Kelly wasn't doing was malicious. Right. No. Less, Bad circumstances? Less inebriation involved. <laughs> less under the influence. I guess he was punching people. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. that was a real crime that he committed. I didn't yeah. do anything like that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's just end this right here. What is... The pod? Yeah, I'm okay. done. Okay. Uh, what is the line? Are you aggressively pursuing Chris Harris in free agency, A? And B, if you are, what are you willing to pay him? I'm saying, Chris, the deal that was on the table before the trade deadline, it's still there. And if you want it, come and get it, but that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going any further. But that, was, that deal wasn't the same. At, well, it was the same as what Chris was saying, but it was a little bit manipulated. Right. It wasn't the three years, 36 that he said. It, that included last year so it was like two years 25.6 million so I guess it's a little more than 12 million per season um that is by far the most I'm going and the thing is though I don't feel great about it what I do feel good about is two years I I like that and I think that the guarantee was only for this year as well and that's where what I would offer differs from the original offer because the guarantee only covered year one Right. It was twelve and a half million dollars guaranteed. I would take the same potential three-year terms, but I would up that guarantee. I'd try to get eighteen million, but maybe up the guarantee as high as twenty million dollars. If you're, if you're Chris, obviously. But are you doing that for if you're John? I'm saying if I'm John Elway, I would do that. And what so, was that? Repeat that. The same offer that he got prior to the trade deadline except instead of guaranteeing basically only the first year of the contract, making it a one-year deal. So I think it was $12.5 million guaranteed. I'm taking that guarantee up to anywhere from 18 to $20 million. But still keeping it the two-year 25 mil. With the option for a third. With an option. for Team option? Yeah, team option. And is option. this your plan A at corner? It's my plan A because I don't want to roll the dice right. on whether I can get James Bradbury or Bry- Byron Jones. This is the bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And it, it's my plan A until I find out something different. Like like you said, Ryan, if you can find out that you can get Byron Jones, one of these other top corners, then that offer's coming off the table. But until then, and because because I think if Chris hits the open market – He's gone. I mean, especially if I'm offering him this deal. And I, I would be okay with what May said, but moving the guarantees up to, to $20 million or something and putting a, a third-year option, team option in there. But if Chris hits the open market, 
he is gone, so I think you have to have some safety net, and him potentially taking this is that safety net. The problem with the guarantees, of course, though, is it's the whole cash budget, not the cap budget, because you have to take that cash and put it in escrow. Yeah, so for me, it comes down to the whole idea of you don't know what what you got till it's gone. You just, I just am not willing to take the risk here that you end up with nothing. It is such a dark, dark place that you could end up in without Chris Harris Jr. or Byron Jones or you know maybe uh, one of the Fullers. I don't, I've already <laughs> forgot which one. Kendall. Kendall. All right. Yeah, okay. We're... Kyle's in Chicago. Will, no relation, is in Houston as the wide receiver. Kendall and Kyle are brothers. Both went to Virginia Tech. Oh, I thought they were. I thought Will was a cousin or something. I thought they were all connected. He might be. <laughs> um, okay. So do they have him over at the Fuller house anyway? Hey, you may not be related, but you're a Fuller. Come on in. Just like Nick Chubb and Bradley Chubb, how everyone's like, oh, yeah, they're cousins. And Bradley's like, no, nah, I've met the guy last year. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess I'm a cousins. Big, yeah. But, like, there's not this great story here. <laughs> yeah, like they grew up on the gridiron, <laughs> yeah. grinding together. They always knew the NFL was the final destination. Um, so what's your deal if he's your option A? He's a thinker. Uh, you're got, you guys are going to hate this. Oh. I put a brand new three-year, $36 million contract on the table. For all three years? No team option? Uh, yeah, it's a three-year deal. The, ter- the first two years are essentially guaranteed. Okay. The third year essentially becomes a team option at that point. Right. Um, I think that's the best deal Chris is going to get. I think that makes sure you keep him. And again, I realize I'm overpaying here. But I am trying to avoid the darkest timeline, which is you have no corners, and now you're in big trouble. So how scared are you of watching Chris legitimately get beat a few times last year and knowing that that could be the year before you're signing him up for three years? Because that's—I love Chris. I love what he brings in every way. But those are just the things where I'm saying, ah. I can only go two years, and I only want to guarantee a year and a half. Yeah, I know. I I, I just realize I'm I'm taking one here um, because I just can't afford to not have corners. Why are we playing scared? Because uh, I'm scared, <laughs> and also so I'm because, playing scared. And you're the Broncos. You're coming off of three consecutive losing seasons. There's no guarantee that you're going to have the juice to be able to close the deal with a Byron Jones or a James Bradbury when there will be other suitors who are potentially more attractive to these players than a Broncos team that just finished seven and nine after going six and ten and five and eleven. And while I think there's a lot of confidence here in this room about Drew Locke, I'm not sure that players from outside Denver have the same level of confidence in the quarterback position. Heck, we don't even know if the GM of this team has the same level of confidence in the quarterback. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of biting the bullet and just saying, eh, got to yeah. do this to make sure that we don't end up in a really bad place. The other thing I know is that Chris, deep down, doesn't want to uproot his whole family. You kind of have an advantage there, whereas, like, Byron Jones, you're, I feel like you're on a level playing field with everyone else. You got Vic Fangio working for you. You got, you know, you can try and play up the Drew Locke thing if that's a, an angle that you can go. But there's every other team has something else they can offer him to. So a question for both of you. Does Chris take the deal that's on the table? Yes. It, the My deal. Your takes. deal. Before free agency. 
Mm, no. So he, if he gets to free agency, he's gone. No, see, That's he finds out that this is the best deal out there, and he or close to it, and he just says, "Why would I do this right now for two but, million dollars?" But what if it's come off the table? What if he says, "I'm going to go on the market," and the Broncos say, "Fine," and maybe they happen to be successful at wooing one of these free agent cornerbacks? Then it's too bad, so sad. Move on. Yeah, that's fine with me as long as they end up with someone. I just cannot risk not getting someone. I think on principle, if Chris hits the open market, he'll take the exact same deal that the Broncos are offering and go somewhere else. Oh yeah, no, I just maybe to a state that doesn't have a income tax either. Don't don't forget that as well. Right, right, potentially. So Mace, does he take your deal? Mm, I think my deal is I'm going to go home and think about this. Your deal, he says no. Yeah. My deal is I'm going to sleep on it for a night. RK's deal he takes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree you're with all that. That actually more. makes sense because I think throughout this process, I've been the one who thinks there's the highest chance of Chris being back. So what happens? T- take a guess. Is he back? Yeah, I think he is. I can't see them offering the kind of guarantee that you're proposing, Ryan. That's why I think he's not back. I think John, he doesn't like to play safe. He has, I think he'll do pretty much what I said. I think John's going to say, because John didn't refute that that offer was ever out there. I don't think that John liked that Chris said that that His offer face. was out there. <laughs> he gave like a, mm-hmm. <laughs> And he didn't say, now he wasn't necessarily ass as that offer off the table, but he didn't say it was off the table. So I think that's what it is. I think Chris's agent knows that that offer's there. And uh, I think Chris is playing somewhere else next year. And boy, John better hit a better hit a home run in free agency because, like we've made it very clear right now, you gotta get you gotta get a stud. Well, uh, your hands he, will be so cuffed. If is he done swinging and missing yep. in free agency the way he swings and misses at quarterback as he referred to? <laughs> yeah, but he just connected and the ball's still flying, <laughs> still on the upward trajectory. We don't know if it's gonna come down at the warning track or over the no. fence. <laughs> Oh, it's going out of the whole park. Yeah, yeah, maybe Grand Slam, too. I don't know. Sometimes those, sometimes those fly balls get held up in the wind. <laughs> Not at Coors. <laughs> We're at altitude, baby. Those but, balls are going out. Well, then you got the fences pushed further back, though. So there's more territory they to cover. They haven't pushed them back yet. No, compared to other parks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, they're, yeah, you got more territory there. This is a road game. They're playing in Yankee Stadium. It's gone. This is an Easy. opposite field upper deck. <laughs> Wait, but did he hit the center or did he hit it to right? Oh, right. Yeah, right. This one, this is, this is a right-handed batter who just put one on the party deck. <laughs> and got all no. a mile high Patrick party. Patrick Mahomes is the right-handed <laughs> batter putting it on the party deck. Yeah, and that, we'll see. All right, <laughs> before we move on, shout out to Denver Rubber Company. If you could make a baseball bat out of Denver Rubber Company's rubber, you could probably go right-handed and hit it up into the upper deck. That's the co- that's the quality of stuff they have up here. Maybe a rubber ball too. Mm. That thing would really fly. Uh, Denver Rubber Company, tried and true since 1972. They are your go-to. For anything rubber, whether it's custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses, we checked out their factory. It is insane. Uh, Make sure you hit up Denver Rubber Company at 1-800-259-0010 or hit them up at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. Make sure you tell them 
that you're a listener of our podcast. Okay. Let's get into the questions beyond the one from Bronco Board, Bronco Bread, <laughs> which was my favorite, I must say. Uh, but let's hear what the people have to say. I'm sure we'll get some good draft talk in here, which we haven't talked too much about today. And let me make sure I have these sorted correctly. Or, Zach, you want to get the first one? Coming in from Swansea Bronco. Hey, guys, I think my last comment on was a buzzer for the last pod, and it was missed. I read a rumor on Twitter this week stating that the Broncos are being lined up for this year's hard knocks. Am I wrong in not wanting this to happen? I'd prefer the team went into 2020 under the radar instead of under the hard knocks hype. What are your guys' thoughts? Also, how would Hard Knocks coverage impact your guys' working life during training camp? Cheers, guys. Hope to see you all in London next season. I wouldn't mind them being under the radar. I would expect that Hard Knocks will be either the Broncos or the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike Tomlin was asked about Hard Knocks at his season-ending press conference in Pittsburgh and just kind of implied that he wouldn't want that, and but he knew that they couldn't turn him down. I think ultimately when all is said and done, they're going to look at the Steelers, an NFL flagship franchise with Ben Roethlisberger trying to come back and say, that's who we want. The Broncos, they're still in an interesting spot with ownership. And don't forget, if everything continues on schedule, it won't be a huge part of hard knocks, but you would have a team whose ownership structure was facing a lawsuit within days of the end of the hard knock season, I'm not sure the league is going to want that franchise spotlighted in hard knocks if given the option when all is said and done. Wasn't there one more team that we thought could be in that conversation for the top Cardinals? Three? Cardinals. Because of Kyler Murray. Right. Kyler and Cliff. Yep. Talk about marketability. Yep. Cliff is quite marketable. <laughs> yep. Um, Vance that- Joseph. Yeah, not quite as marketable. That one is interesting to me. In fact, when I read the list of candidates, no surprise, that was the one I was like, oh, they should go there. Uh, But then someone made a really good point, which is that the Steelers have one of the biggest fan bases of any team in the world. Um, Maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but in the NFL for sure. Not really. Um, It feels like in terms of making money that would be the route they would want to go and how often are they gonna have the chance to get the Steelers on there exactly what I was gonna say you can look at the Broncos if you take a step back the NFL could say oh we can get the Broncos anytime you know they're just not making the playoffs no this is their last chance I hey I just said if you're why because they're gonna fire Vic Fangio or they're gonna make the playoffs playoffs. (laughs) the other the other thing asked how would hard knocks coverage impact your, your guys working life during training camp I think it would be minimal well, I mean, it would just we just be we just be the direction we'd of something. Ask about things that were on hard knocks. Something comes on hard knocks on a Tuesday night with a player, and inevitably he'd be asked about it the next day. And there'd be a few more cameras around, but I imagine those cameras would be in areas that we can't go anyway. Right. I think it'd only help us. It it would just give us insight of where to dig. Yeah. yeah. Um and maybe you ask a question at a press conference or an interview oh. that ends up Getting on hard knocks. I would talk very loud. <laughs> you know who's going to try to do that. Oh, absolutely. A certain yeah, afternoon talk show person. host in this market. <laughs> yeah, uh, that would. Yeah, I feel like it would. It would be a competition within the media who can get their question on hard knocks. Vic would be like, "You guys are asking the weirdest <laughs> questions these couple weeks." <laughs> uh, I'll try and yeah. 
Um, the other thing is, I just think we would talk about Hard Knocks a lot on this podcast. We you would. Know, we, we, that would be a, the whole first segment probably after every episode. It'd be yeah. the first time that I watched a full season of Hard Knocks. That's crazy. This Hopefully past, it would be better than this last year. This, this last year was absolute was, garbage. It was boring. And unfortunately, I think teams are exacting more control over what they put out there on Hard Knocks. So I think it might continue to be boring. Yeah. Can you imagine Vic Fangio? Oh, man. He would hate this so much. He would hate it. I think Vaughn would just become a star. Yeah. Who would they spotlight? Drew? Drew would Drew, be. Oh, my loved. God. Yeah. Yeah. Drew would dominate Hard Knocks. Vaughn, Vaughn would know where the cameras are. And, you know, be doing the dances in the background where they're like, oh, Vaughn doesn't know we're, we're recording him doing this. And he totally knows. Yeah, Drew would be the biggest winner of this. Oh, yeah. He would become a national sensation. Yep, he would. You don't think it would help Phil? Um, Phil would get the, like, football guy bump because that's what he is. That's what he does great. He, you know, he's yelling at people in practice and that sort of thing. He doesn't like media right now. So I don't think he would. Right now. Think, uh, those cameras come back on in August, and things, if things are going well, I think it's a different situation. Cortland Sutton would be – he would not live up to it. Not that it wouldn't be – he wouldn't want anything to do with it. Hmm. I See, think, I think they view Hard Knocks cameras differently than TV media. cameras, yeah. I think not questions. All of these guys look at this as an opportunity to build their brand nationally. I mean, that, and that's how it should be. You yes. should be smart about it like that. Yeah. So um, it'd be interesting. I think the Broncos might be third place, though. Yeah. Um, behind the Cardinals. You get a former number one pick in, yep. in Kyler Murray who's lived up to it so far. You get the flashy head coach, and then you get the Steelers. I agree. Right. And, he, and Kyler's going to be the next guy who goes off in year two. Well, you can have that storyline going into it. You hope he goes off in year two. <laughs> Baker Mayfield didn't go off in year two. No, but it's Baker Mayfield had a lot of change. This is the classic Lamar. You go all in. He on had him. he had a lot of change, but they kept the coach that supposedly was going to prevent that change because they kept Freddie Kitchens around. Yeah, well, in the words of Baker Mayfield, guy's an idiot. <laughs> yes, he said that during a game on oh, the sideline. That's true. That, Bron- I love the way he said. It. I miss good Baker. Yeah. So so entertaining. <laughs> they got it. Well, maybe we'll see good Baker this year yeah. with Kevin like Stefanski that. or Josh McDaniels. Uh, or Josh uh, might Josh trade him. there, yeah. Josh might trade <laughs> Baker to New England, and then oh boy, they go they go thirteen and three with Baker Mayfield, and then Josh is fired, to... and then hired as a Patriots offensive coordinator again. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. All right. Uh, all right. Next one here is from Bronco Born Bronco Red, my buddy. He says, yes, the pizza bet is on the game, not the MVP. That just wouldn't be fair. Uh huh. Commenting before the game, so hopefully I'm not sad listening to you read this. You're oh, sad. no. <laughs> also, sorry for having to look at our god-awful City Edition uniforms. They might be one of the worst I've seen in the NBA. Yeah, those are not good. It looks like the, the cover art for Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> yeah. And also something that bothered me is the Nuggets change their court when they change their jerseys. Um, they, yeah. you know, bring out the City Edition court. Yep. And the Mavs just didn't, so they had these like light blue and bright green jerseys with like the dark blue and gray court. It really bothered me. You know yeah. what? It's fine by me, but this is a generational thing. I remember when the Celtics would play home games 
in a few home games a year in Hartford, Connecticut, and the floor was red with some yellow trim. The first couple of years of the Miami Heat, they played on a floor that had yellow lanes but also had various shades of blue aqua and turquoise surrounding the court. (laughs) So there was a time many years ago when the uniforms did not have to match the court, the home court, on which the game was being played. So just consider it a throwback moment where the uniforms and the court don't connect stylistically. It looked like two teams were playing a neutral site game because then no no one's colors matched the court. It looked like most NCAA tournament games over the decades then. I think it's so cool that courts can change and you have different designs for courts. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine the field having the, you know, at Broncos games, you have the, the, the city skyline well, on the well, field? What they could have done is for the color rush game, they should have put the D at the middle of the field. What yes. they, they should have done that. And mm. actually, before, uh, when they had a 60th anniversary committee, and I was on it, but then I was removed without being told. That was fun. Um, but one of the ideas I had was to have in the 60th season for the Broncos, 100th season for the NFL, have different end zone patterns for every game that were taken from Bronco history. Nice. So, for yeah, example, like you'd have – remember we saw, we had the, saw the Argyle back in the 50th season? Yep. And then they kept it going forward for 2010 as well. So you'd have a game with kind of the Argyle diamond pattern. You'd have a game where you had – Broncos in this kind of weird font that was written in diamonds like they had in the 70s. Mm. You'd have kind of the, they did the drop shadow italic thing in the 80s for a bit. So you'd have a game with that. You'd have a couple of other looks from, say, the early 1990s. You'd have the current Bronco font in white with orange trim. And then in 2003, late in that season, they reversed it to orange with white trim, which we still see today. So just my idea was to have the end zone and field painting reflect all the years of Broncos history, even for a couple of games, have the NFL shield at midfield like you did back in the 1980s. Yeah, and they said, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. Take Mace off the committee. His ideas <laughs> Maybe are that good, was it but they're right hard there. to execute. <laughs> Maybe that was the thing. Maybe that's why I got pulled off without being told. They didn't like my ideas. Well, the idea is great. It it's is. fantastic. It's amazing. But they just they were well. The, the NFL, I think, screwed up a lot of things and did and had a lot of lost opportunities here in this 100th season. They should have scrapped the one helmet shell rule and just said, "Okay, this year you can wear whatever uniforms you want from your history." Like Denver Broncos, for example, if you want to do. Two home games in yellow and brown. Two home games with a 1960s crazy horse look. Two home games with a D on the helmet, on the light blue helmet and orange jerseys. And two home games in your current look or your blue on white look. Go for it. Have fun. This, I mean, this comes around literally every hundred years that you're commemorating a a centennial of some kind or bicentennial. So go nuts. And the NFL just looked at these brilliant opportunities to celebrate the history of the game visually and said, "A lot of work. No, too much. You know, we we, these guys have to wear one helmet shell, so we can't do that. Even though in college, at colleges where they're studying research into help." 
getting better helmets, better technology, research into concussions. Schools like Virginia Tech, North Carolina, and Wake Forest, they wear multiple helmet shells every year. Yeah, where I don't understand this. The, the helmet shell, the one helmet shell somehow being a safety thing. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. And, and the fact that you can't wear your own shoes and stuff, I think that's a – if you want to ban jewelry, you know, I understand that because it's a safety thing. But these other things really are the no-fun league. Bingo. Yeah. Exactly. They, well, that's how whole, it gets like, the whole, like, we name. want it to be a very consistent look type so of thing. So stupid. Um, I just saw. I, I just got a tweet notification and it said Eagles to move on from Carson Walsh, <laughs> who apparently is their wide receivers coach. <laughs> yes. I was like, wow, that was real, <laughs> real, really threw me off there. Whoever wrote say. that notification knew it would have fun with a yes. lot of people. Oh yeah, <laughs> some men just want to watch the world burn. Yeah. Um, next one here also comes in from Bronco Born Bronco Brad. Yes, he says I have to say that Jerry Jones' sleepover is weirder than weird, considering the fact that he owns half the town of Frisco, which is where the practice facility is the new home of the PGA headquarters as well. He owns so much of Dallas-Fort Worth that he wants to build a neighborhood specifically for Dallas Cowboys to live in. And then McCarthy and, and McCarthy can't go sleep at a different house? Did they wake up and drink Bloody Marys in their robes? So many weird images yes, going probably, on. Yes, they probably did do that. But could you they Im- probably did like weird rich people stuff that we just can't even understand. That Jerry Jones probably should not build a neighborhood where the Cowboys players sleep because coming from like a guy in his twenties, that sounds way too weird. Like, yeah. no, buddy, I I well, want to take you're your money and like live fraternity row in the middle of a in the <laughs> middle of a city. Like, you don't think that if these guys can go have a party where they only have to walk like a block, they're not going to do that often, all the time. And it's like a gated community; they don't have to worry about police. They, don't, <laughs> they can give whatever girls they want the code to get in the gate. Like, so it, you yeah. think it'd be a good idea? Well, great for the players. Mm. It's like Olympic Village. Yeah, it really would be. And uh, <laughs> there's a, a rubber thing that like they the, have. You've got like up the there. family side of the neighborhood and the single <laughs> side of the neighborhood. <laughs> Well, if I'm not mistaken, the Cowboys, they kind of have experience with this because, of course, they used to have their facility over at uh, Valley Ranch in Irving. It was really kind of one of the most famous facility names in all of football was Valley Ranch. But if I'm not mistaken... It also sounds like a weird place where, yeah. Yeah, like a place in Nevada. Well, (laughs) wasn't the the White House in Valley Ranch? (laughs) It also sounds like a place in Nevada. But if I'm not mistaken, the street names were named after like cowboy greats or football things and so forth oh this wow. whole cultic thing yeah, that i'm talking very, about that's so, what i'm saying and the cowboys were involved in the development of the place way back this is like back in the 70s they might as well move to waco <laughs> next one coming in from mile high 808 my guys played a little bit of rugby when i was stationed in germany also played football in high school can say that the self-preservation is absolutely a factor. Also, the way defense is typically played is like a zone defense across the entire line, so the most you are running to tackle someone is maybe 10 yards and not able to really get up to full speed. On Mariota, I've created a semi-serious list of why he is the perfect backup to Drew Locke and the Broncos. One, he's beaten the Chiefs. Two, he threw a touchdown to himself. Try that, Mahomes. To beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. Yes, three, he can move faster than the statue of Mr. B outside a mile high. Well, anyone but Flacco can. <laughs> Four, his mom told him to apologize for saying he was, quote, pissed. Accountability. Five, he is from the 808, which is merely 303, reflected upon itself. Wouldn't that be like EOE? <laughs> well, no, it's if like. You refle- if you put 303 in a mirror, 
Cause I think like the yes, threes are reflections. But the threes reflect on themselves, which creates an eight. Right. right. If you're looking at it from the right angle. But if you're just looking in the mirror, you see EOE. Get out of here with your technicalities. <laughs> Six. He's beating the Chiefs. I'm being biased, but still. Keep up the great work, guys. I'm all in on yeah. Mariota as the right, backup. Right I'm fine with that. Price. Right. Exactly. How much What's we should right pay price? Mariota? $7 million a year. I was going to say five. Yeah, probably not going to get him at that. He probably would want maybe a one-year deal as well because he may be thinking, okay, Drew Locke struggles, I get in there, I play well, and I play myself back up. He so, may not want a two- or three-year deal. Who? I wonder if there's a team out there that actually would give him a one-year prove-it deal as a starter. Or at least to compete for the job. Maybe a team that is looking for a veteran but loses the Tom Brady sweepstakes. Well, who's drafting a quarterback this year? What about the Bengals? What about bring him in to be a good mentor, and if Joe Burrow's not ready, then he's the starter at the beginning of the season? Oh, God, I hate when teams do that. Oh, I do too. Um, yeah, I'd have to think harder on this. No one's popping up right away. Well, here's the connection with the Bengals. Zach Taylor, of course, Bengals coach, worked with Matt LaFleur with the Rams, and Matt LaFleur coached Marcus Mariota with the Titans. So if LaFleur put in a good recommendation to Zach Taylor, that could be an option. Maybe. Yeah. I have a feeling that the Bengals are going to go down to Mobile. They're going to coach Justin Herbert. Oh and they're going to talk themselves into trading down and still getting Justin Herbert. Oh, my gosh. That would be. And if I were a Bengal fan and they did that, I would probably abandon the team at that point. So here's what I – so uh, quarterbacks going to the Senior Bowl, Jalen Hurts, mm-hmm. Justin Herbert, Jordan Love. Are there any other big names? Uh, no other big names as of yet. I think Justin Herbert ends up being the third best out of those. Because we haven't, we haven't gotten confirmation from Joe Burrow. Now, uh, he's indicated he's going to go. He shouldn't. Why? Doesn't need to do anything. He's the number one pick. Maybe he wants to play for his hometown team and show them what they could have. They shouldn't need to look at anything else. I, I agree they shouldn't, but these are the Bengals. So, in my opinion, you only go to the Senior Bowl if you need to help your stock. And his stock is sky high. And then he's going to go win the national championship. And his stock will never be higher than when he throws for four touchdowns in the national championship. Don't do anything else. Don't even go to the combine. Don't here's do the, anything. Here's my prediction on Burrow. He goes to the senior bowl practices. He does not play in the game. The make the Baker Mayfield style? Yeah. But Although again, Baker, Baker did Baker was a, a fringe first-round pick when he went there. This guy is... He wasn't a, a fringe first-round pick. He was, a, he was like top 15... In every mock draft by that point. I very clearly remember a Denver media member writing a column before <laughs> the Senior Bowl that said taking Baker Mayfield at five would be crazy. Okay, who wrote that? <laughs> you can look it up. <laughs> well, just taking him at five is crazy. That doesn't mean he's a fringe first round. I just remember there were mock drafts that had him outside of the first round. Yes, and, and they, I kept saying like, no, and these you were take idiots. This guy at five. They they were idiots. They were for, okay. Pastor Rhett, it's the off season, and I have a question of no consequence for you, beautiful people. All caps, by the way, are Pop Tarts ravioli? Absolutely, positively not. No, absolutely, positively yes. No, so no, no. I mean, I mean, a ravioli. It's just a it's a sweet ravioli. But then the question becomes. But no, 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 no. Ravioli. You've got 
when you prepare the ravioli, when it comes out, I mean, it's it's softer than the it's pasta. than the outside of a pop tart, right? It's a different kind of it's a there's different no composition. Such, there's no ravioli that isn't made out of pasta. Well, then, so so this goes to the root is ravioli its own thing or is ravioli the italian version of a hot pocket no no, no. Well, <laughs> yeah well, see i see what you're saying it is a pasta hot pocket yes it's a no, pasta hot pocket but, uh, what is on the hot pot outside the hot pocket it's bread or pretzel crust right <laughs> this isn't pasta Right, but what is two different? You're getting there, your carbs two different ways. But we, as we've learned on this podcast, every culture has their version of a hot pocket. Yes, is there an Italian thing that is bread that's stuffed with calzone? Oh yeah, that's nah, the calzone is the Italian it. hot yeah. pocket, <laughs> yeah. but it is a pasta hot pocket. So then, are are pop tarts actually just a dessert hot pocket? No, they're not a hot pocket. <laughs> oh yeah, because, because they're not a pop pocket. They're not a hot pocket. They're not. Pasta. They're, no, they are a dessert, a dessert hot, dessert hot pocket. No. <laughs> and they're breakfast. <laughs> Can you cook hot pockets in in a toaster? That's the point of. Oh wait, hot, hot pockets. pockets. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no, no, no. Are, are not sure? Pop tarts are supposed to be because right. they're supposed to pop out of the toaster. <laughs> wait. So. Although I eat my pop tarts without heating them. So it's. A, I just eat them raw. Oh, <laughs> uh, see, that's just. That's they're just awesome. lazy, Mace. No, they're, they're better awesome. when you heat them up. They're yeah. still good without, but they're better when you heat them but up. But I can't wait three minutes for that goodness. <laughs> and then, What's you, your favorite Pop-Tart? Blueberry. Ooh, bad take. What's yours? What? What? <laughs> How is that a bad take? It's delicious. What's I've, yours? I don't know if I've ever had Pop-Tarts brand. Oh, my I, God. I've oh, there's a know. huge difference between the Pop-Tarts and the knockoffs. My parents used to sometimes buy the knockoffs when I was a kid, and, and I didn't like them. You could taste the difference. Yeah, and also, the worst Pop-Tarts are the ones that don't have the frosting. They just have... Oh, my God. What, that, is, yeah. that should be a criminal Yeah, offense. I think I've had yes. like the, the non-frosting healthy Pop-Tarts. You are you <laughs> disgust me. Um, the best one is the s'mores. Oh, no, that sounds the best ones are all fruit flavors. No, 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 no. So, <laughs> oh, there's brown. Allie Monroe one? is trying to get in on this conversation. <laughs> She's just talking without a microphone. No one can hear her. Um, brown sugar cinnamon is the second best one. So brown sugar is on the outside, cinnamon inside. No, Something you've got oh. like um, a glaze that you would. Who knows what it is? It's just sugary and delicious. <laughs> and then on the inside, you've got a filling that who knows what it is? It's just sugary and delicious. Okay, but it does kind of taste like brown sugar and cinnamon. There's a rank of pop tart flavors on Ranker.com, originally by Ranker, Ranker. Food, the the most reliable source for all rankings. RK, you're going to be heartened by the fact that the number one choice is s'mores. Yeah, it's easy. Followed easy, by easy. strawberry, blue brown sugar, cinnamon. Yep. Cookies and cream. Huh? Never heard of it. Blueberry. Chocolate fudge. Never heard of that Cherry. One. Hot fudge sundae. Mm. Wild berry. Ooh, that's underrated. Those are good. <laughs> chocolate chip. Raspberry. Cinnamon roll. Chocolate, chocolate chip cookie dough. Oh. Confetti cupcake. Jeez. Sugar cookie. <laughs> it, just, it just evolves further and further from <laughs> breakfast to dessert. What's the, and, and there's wild strawberry. What's the difference between strawberry and wild strawberry? They just needed. They needed something new, and they just did. Well, it. and also the box, according to this picture, says "wild and licious. So, oh. red velvet, vanilla cupcake, red chocolate velvet. peanut butter, 
pumpkin pie because of course they have to get on the, in on the yep. pumpkin thing yep. to fall. Peanut butter. Now we're getting the ones with more down votes than up votes. How many are there? Yeah, what's Maple the brown, apple. Yeah, just go to the last. Straw. <laughs> the last one. And how many are there? Low fat brown sugar cinnamon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like uh, a loser. <laughs> anything that's supposed to be sugary, and then you get the low-fat version. And then fifth from the bottom is the unfrosted brown sugar cinnamon. Why would you just... Wow. There's You're also the sugar. Why would you get it unfrosted? <laughs> right. like, you feel better there's just a little bit less sugar? Also in the bottom ten are unfrosted strawberry, unfrosted blueberry. Yep, yep. Unfrosted. And low-fat strawberry and gingerbread. Mm. So they did not hit the Christmas one. <laughs> they missed on the Christmas <laughs> yeah. Anyways, s'mores, it's purely dessert. So I can understand how someone might say that's not a breakfast Pop-Tart, but it's by far the best in my opinion. The only fruit one that is even okay in my mind is just regular strawberry. I don't even like the other ones. You don't like blueberry? You don't like raspberry? I generally don't like blueberry things ever. Wow. I, I blueberry love, pie, not good. I love blueberry pie. Blueberries are the best blueberry thing. Okay. Um, blueberry yogurt. And the only terrific. the only blueberries that I like are the ones that are uh, nice and stiff. So they're a little bit sour. Yeah. Yep. Like yep. when they start getting big and and sweet. You don't it, like sweet? It's not that sweet. It's just I don't know. I don't like the consistency. I like when I I like when I bite it and it pops. Ooh. I don't know if this would be up your alley or the complete opposite. Have you ever frozen grapes? Yeah. I, oh, you know me. I don't like so biting good. on cold stuff. But they're ah, amazing because they kind of lock. They unlock. Not the like your sh- girlfriend. They unlock the sugar. Out here <laughs> no, but they. Un- chomping they un- ice cream. You freeze them and it kind of unlocks the sugar and it comes out. Yeah. I, but I'm going to have to like suck on it for <laughs> a few seconds before I can even bite down on it. A little delayed gratification isn't a bad thing. Mace, I think I've already asked Ryan, have you ever had cotton candy grapes? No. Mm. Wait, these are a thing? They're a thing. They're real. They're called cotton candy grapes. Tastes like cotton candy and they're grapes. So yeah. how, how have they not taken these grapes and used them for wine to have cotton candy wine? <sighs> that, that is a great idea. Wow. Yep. It probably has been done. It could be that could be the wine served to kids at church. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Big shout out to Pastor Rhett for giving us that <laughs> yes. was our first authentic yeah. off season conversation. Oh, there is. And the there's Danimal, wine that tastes like cotton candy, but it's not made with cotton candy grapes. Oh, just loads of sugar. Yeah. It's, it's just Boone's Farm <laughs> cotton candy flavor. It's actually just sugared. That has great flavor in it. Yes. It's a grape drink. Um, the Danimal chimes in uh, as on this conversation about our Pop-Tarts ravioli. He says, yes, but in a nice restaurant, they are on the kids' menu. Gun Gun says, not, ravi- not as ravioli as a calzone. But then again, I read once that pizza can technically be considered a sandwich. Food doesn't make sense to me. Pizza, a sandwich? That's insane. So you'd have to fold it, right? For it to be a sandwich. No, for the sandwich, you have to have two separate pieces of bread. I'm, I'm saying this like, actually in came up in like... a lawsuit. No, no way. <laughs> no, it did because no. I think it was in Massachusetts. There was a a sandwich shop that was upset that like a Chipotle moved in mm-hmm. because they claimed that this is another sandwich because they claimed they had exclusivity to the shopping center to distribute sandwiches and. 
the court ruled against them saying, no, 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 a burrito is not a sandwich. Well, of course it's not. <laughs> okay. But again, this leads it, me but to... it came up in the, when they described it in the, in the legal documents that came out of this, it was discussed as two separate slices of something. Love that. <laughs> totally That's agree. Hot so a hot dog is not a sandwich nope. unless you've broken up the bun. You can make mm. a hot dog into a sandwich where you slice the hot dog and put it onto a bun. Mm. Or, you, or you slice the bun and then it's like a hoagie. What if you don't slice the bun? What if the bun just splits in the middle on accident? No, that's no such thing as an accidental sandwich. <laughs> okay, but this leads me to another conversation, which, sorry for making this podcast really long. Um, Too late. <laughs> we recently partnered with Illegal Pete's, which is amazing. And I love Illegal oh, Pete's. We need to do some live pot or some yes. podcasts at Illegal Pete's. Yes. So, totally. Yes. Uh, and we'll, that'll probably happen at some point. Um, Illegal Pete's famously mixes up the ingredients of the burrito before you eat it. Now, you can request that they don't. But the opposite is true of Chipotle, where they don't. You can request that they do. You'll probably get a dirty look from the person behind <laughs> the counter. Uh, but you can request that they do. I love both places uh illegal pete's gets the colorado bump from me i'm all, if someone asks me which one's better i'm gonna say illegal pete's but chipotle, chipotle started colorado. here too but yes but they left us um That's true. so here is the question mixed burrito or unmixed well when i'm at home and i i'll do burrito anything i did a leftover christmas dinner burrito and in our house Christmas is Thanksgiving 2.0, so it's the same meal. That's not a burrito, but <laughs> no. But I did a bur- But what I did was I took some turkey, some mashed potatoes, some gravy, added some cheese and some hot sauce, and then I heated it in the microwave to kind of mix it up and congeal it, and then I dunked it into my tortilla, and it was my, it was my holiday burrito. Uh, I think you made a wrap. I think you made a wrap. No, I I made <laughs> I used a tort it was a it's a, I used a mission tortilla. But you it's could a put like tuna salad in a mission tortilla. That's just a tuna wrap. Oh. Mm. But he had multiple ingredients. I think for it to be a burrito, which is a Spanish word, you need you need those ingredients. Well, what about oh. the hot sauce that I put in there? What kind of hot sauce was it? It was Cholula. Mm. This does muddy the waters. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Cholula with cranberry yeah, sauce? I disagree. I didn't the do decision. the cranberries. No, that's what I didn't oh, do. It okay. was mashed potatoes, turkey, gravy, and then I added some cheese. And I mean, you can do any kind of cheese. If you want to make it true Mexican, then you can do like a Mexican blend. Or I think I used mozzarella because it was all I had. That sounds like mush. I got to say. No, it was awesome. Because all the <laughs> you, you heat, you, you put it in the microwave. All the flavors kind of come together, and then you stir it up and mix it up and get all the cheese and gravy and all gooey, and then you just pour it in there and wrap it up in your tortilla and enjoy holiday burrito goodness. Give, okay. give me a prison burrito before... We're getting, derailed uh, oh, off of our, we're getting derailed off of our own derailment. <laughs> the question is, do you want your burrito mixed or not? Yes, uh, I do. Okay. Now I do, but I'm not going to lie. My my taste in this has grown over the years. It's, it's matured. First time I had it, did not like it because I was used to, you know, the bite of guacamole in, in, in the Chipotle burrito, but now I like it mixed. Okay, so I'm um I'm in the minority here. 
I want it the way the way that it is traditionally made at the restaurant. Chipotle mixed doesn't taste right. Oh, fair. Illegal Pete's unmixed doesn't taste right. Yeah. Both of them are great in their own right. Also, yeah. Illegal Pete's, the fact that you can add potatoes and they put this like spicy spice on the potatoes. Ooh. Amazing. Steak what? and potato, burrito, Illegal Pete's undefeated i'm a fi- i'm a fish burrito guy it's there, that, that is tremendous so i use, i was a pescatarian for a long time and that was my go-to as well it's also amazing is it good yes i'm always a little sketched out by fish burritos that kind of just a normal place like not a fish place no you got to have it at illegal pete's okay. also if you go to places that have like um uh, a lot of latino culture like there's just like fast food restaurants Yep. That make incredible fish burritos. Okay, good to know. And I'll try it. And the thing is, Illegal Pete's gave me what I had been searching for since I left Seattle, a good, easily accessible fish burrito, because there's a, a chain up in Seattle called Taco Del Mar, so Taco of the Sea. And I, when I would go for a lunch break from work when I was working in downtown Seattle 20 years ago, I would go and have the fish burritos almost every day, and they were amazing. And I kept trying to... Couldn't find anything out here. And then Illegal Pete's, I got hooked on the fish burrito. And, man, I may have to go there for lunch now. And have you done breakfast at Illegal Pete's? Yeah, also amazing. Yep. I mean, yeah, we I was could... going to say your steak, potato, and eggs Yes, burrito. Yeah, I just don't love eggs. Oh, I would probably, true. even yeah. if it was breakfast, I would still just get the regular steak and potato burrito. I'd be like, potatoes, that's a breakfast I thing. Agree. Yeah. I, I think we need to do midday lunch podcasts over the Illegal Pete's right here in DTC. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. At some point. Have Sounds that. great. Um, there's something else I wanted to say. A queso. Pretty queso killer. So oh, man. See, each place has something that they do really well. Yep. Um, what about Qdoba? What do they Qdoba do? Qdoba well? makes the best queso. Okay. But Ooh, Illegal Pizza is disagree. a close yeah. close uh, contestant. Yeah, they blow them out of the water. Illegal Pizza does. Best queso. I, I mean, I'm not going to put up <laughs> I'm a not arguing with you. Yeah, it, uh, it's definitely improves the burrito. The one place that queso is just not great is Chipotle. Queso, yeah, I tried. It was better than I thought, but yeah, it's not the best. That's for sure. It got better. When they originally released it, it was trash. They have made some slight adjustments. They're like... They're saying like no preservatives in it, and so it's like this is queso. Okay, I had it. I had it recently where they probably threw some. Fake yeah, stuff they, in. yeah. <laughs> I think they've realized that queso needs a little. They also skimp you on it. Yeah, I'm like, you just got in the game. You got to impress me with the queso. You don't just get to half-ass it. Speaking of not skimping on these products at Chipotle, when because they have the best guac, their guac is amazing. Oh, hard disagree. I don't like their guac at all. What? No <laughs> way. You got to be joking. It's missing a lot of salt and lime. I thought it was a consensus that it was just the best guac available anywhere. No. No. no, no, no. What? When I actually um, get it or my girlfriend gets it, I'll say like, hey, we need to add some stuff to that too. Wow. Well, then you and, won't, and you the won't best like of, this. The best available anywhere, I got to go with uh, Lola up in uh, Lohi. Okay. Well, that's a sit-down restaurant. Right, right. And but you said anywhere. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, they yeah. make the, and that's at the table, right? Yes, it's incredible. Yep, I've actually had that as well. And so when when my when my parents when I was younger would have a uh, a, a quick get together, they would send me out to Chipotle to get wait a large. Say say that word again. Chipotle. Name of the restaurant. Chipotle. 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 No, Chipotle. Wow. It's Chipotle. There's, you've got yeah. Chipotle people. That yep. really bothers me. Yeah. Um, now I guess there's Chipotle, Chipotle. people, which yep. is not yep. a thing. No, that's not now right. It's a, <laughs> now Chipotle. it's like an Italian restaurant. No, no, that's how uh, I feel about you and Chipotle. 
you're trying to make it Italian. You're giving it the flair it doesn't Maybe have. Maybe that would be like French. Fr- sure. Okay. Chipotle. No. Chipotle. That's what I'm saying. No, you Chipotle. said Lee. You said Lee like the brand of jeans. <laughs> yeah, or like ravioli. Ravioli, right? Chipotle, ravioli. You're, those two words are not related in any way. <laughs> but anyways, they would send me to that restaurant, and uh, I would get a big cup of guacamole, just a, a huge cup, you know? Like a venti-sized cup of guacamole. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> a venti from Chipotle? Yes, exactly. <laughs> like so, like literally, like this tall. Yep. Like a. Yep. How do you do? You like just ask bucks. for that. You just order it. Yep. A exactly. Pint? Yep. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Where uh, were we? Next one's from the Danimal. He says, "Listen to this pod during my workout, and you guys brought up an awesome point I've been thinking about lately regarding the disparity between offensive and defensive spending on our team." We've discussed building a nest around Drew so he can succeed, but people failed to mention, along with a good tight end and slot receiver, our safety blankets for our young quarterback. The most important asset is a great defense. Young quarterbacks are going to make mistakes, turn the ball over, and put their team in bad positions. It's all a part of the growing process. The best thing you can do for that quarterback is build a stellar D to limit the impact of those mistakes, get the ball back quick, and avoid putting a quarterback in a shootout or a comeback scenario. Let the young offense grow with Drew and let their chemistry and production on the field decide what pieces are critical to him as contracts expire and keep the ones he works best with. Have work, a great one, Danimal. Work for Joe Flacco in Baltimore. Yeah. Great defense around him and uh, allowed them to eventually delude themselves into thinking he was elite and giving him a big contract. And, oh, by the way, once he gets that big contract and Ray Lewis retires and you're not putting as much in on the defensive side, oh, lo and behold, you're not going to win that way. But it made him better than he was than he was as a young quarterback and allowed for more success early than he would have had otherwise. Yeah. But I still you, you gotta give him the offensive line. You I already think, have a really good defense. I think you're you can count right, on that. Right. And John, what was it, last year? Was it two years ago? He said our number one priority is to keep the defense great. Now, obviously that that's changed a little bit since then, but John where he went full offense with Peyton Manning to full defense from just in two-year period from Super Bowl 48 to Super Bowl 50, he's not doing that and, like, completely abandoning the defense just because they, they have this offense now. Yep. But I think with the offense, in this draft in particular, where is it strongest? Wide receiver, offensive line. So I think there's the opportunity to go young on offense and still continue that ascension in – it's play, and then in a couple of years, you're probably talking about the salary pendulum t- tilting back toward the offense from the defense. Sure, as long as you just can't ignore protecting Drew this year, next year, that, that's that got to be priority number one. Which in is my why mind. if you take care of a lot of these other needs, then all of a sudden you can go in the draft and say, we're going to take a speed wide receiver and three offensive linemen in our first four picks. I'll never forget. Zach has done a couple articles on this in which he said in uh, two different ways in two different seasons, the Broncos are getting what they're paying for. Or I think last year it was the Broncos offense is actually outperforming and the Broncos offense was terrible, but they were something like 27th in the league and they were getting paid 30th in the league. Right. In that ballpark. And it was like, you're getting what you ask for. So, yep. And the, and the defense was underperforming. Yes. They were getting paid like first and performing fourth or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, this is uh, 
interesting because that, that's not going to change probably on offense. Who are you paying? Almost no one. No. And after this year, it, once you get Ron Leary off the books, you're, you might be paying Connor McGovern. But if it's Patrick Morris and you're back to zero, you're not paying anyone. Yeah. I mean, a, a right guard. And you could draft your right guard. You might guard. draft him. That would be... And truly be everyone... Outside of Juwan James. Right. Juwan James would be the only guy... Juwan James would probably make more than the rest of the offense. Combined. The other 10 guys combined. Unreal. <laughs> and he'd probably play less. And, and then... If Drew Locke plays him up, then amazing, you know. But if they're if they're underperforming, you're saying you right. didn't pay anyone. <laughs> right, right. You're not. You didn't buy any offense. Yep, that's it's your built-in excuse. Uh, this one, next one coming in from. I need a username. Hey, uh, Kovo Cell here. But I thought it was time to update my username to something more fitting. Might I suggest Welcome to Bronco Land? Yeah, we <laughs> gave you an option <laughs> <We> yesterday. <laughs> Gonna keep it simple today, although I doubt I will in the future. Haha. <laughs> Would you rather the Raiders or Chargers draft Justin Herbert? Thanks for the content, Cole. Chargers. Because I think John Gruden would better maximize Justin Herbert mm. than the Raiders will. And I think with the Raiders and John Gruden, I think Jake Fromm could be their guy. Ugh. So you mean Derek Carr? <laughs> that that what it would be. A younger, maybe smarter Derek Carr. Without the makeup aspect. Mm. But the makeup thing's gonna play in Vegas. They will, yeah. They especially <laughs> in that uh that what are we calling it? The Roomba? Yeah, the Roomba. Yeah, or the toilet bowl. I like the Roomba better. Yeah, the Roomba. Um Boy, give, man, why not Justin Herbert to the Chargers and Jake Fromm to the Raiders? Oh, yeah. Broncos will be set. Yep. (laughs) Sounds great. Uh, Other username options include, I'd like to thank John Elway, uh, Case Keesum, or um, I don't see any options for a username. (laughs) That's pretty good. So on to, what do we have next here? Oh, Mile High Manolo. I'm not a diehard college football watcher, so it's hard to follow all the players in the college ranks. I know the big names, but I'm talking more about the middle of the pack and lesser known players. So my question to you guys is which player coming out of college, either underclassman or senior, is flying under the radar now, but you expect to skyrocket up the draft boards after all the bowl games, college day workout, pro day workouts, and the combine? Uh, this is, we're, we're, we're very early in the process. So my best evaluations comes from the PAC 12. I will say Troy Dye, the, the linebacker out of Oregon, I think is, um, a very athletically gifted player who's probably going to get some bumps. I okay. thought, uh, I thought you were going to go with this other guy, so I'll take him instead. He's a guy named LaVisca Chenault. So you're saying I, I knew right you guys now, were going to be nowhere near the two I had. <laughs> uh, you're saying right, like right now he's viewed in the 20s and he's going to shoot up no i think he'll just end up being there okay if you want to pick a buff you could go with tony brown uh who i think is a very nfl type wide receiver uh, and i think once i think he's going to like the lowest one like the nfl pa game okay uh, but is that I th- right now i think it does start in the next day or so yeah um I think he's going to be a guy who he probably still doesn't end up getting drafted, but he sticks on a team. All okay. right. My two, again, way off the radar. 
One is a receiver who I don't think is going to be on the Broncos' radar because his skill set kind of matches up to Cortland Sutton. Uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden out of Liberty. I believe he's going to be at the Senior Bowl. Jump. He's a he's a jump ball guy. Everything about like it, a lot of the same stuff that we said about Cortland Sutton. You say about him coming out. The route running needs a lot of work. He doesn't have a lot of branches on the route tree right now, but he can go up and get almost any ball in traffic. If he goes down to Mobile and balls out, I could see him sneaking into the second round, maybe even being in the late first round conversation. The other one is an edge rusher from out of Charlotte, and that's Alex Highsmith, who had 14 sacks this past year. And he, in terms of his speed off the edge, is the fastest guy I've seen this year, other wow. than Chase Young. Is that, is that, could that potentially be, though, a product of competition? Possibly. That's why if he goes down to Mobile and does what, say, O'Shane Zimenez did last year coming out of Old Dominion, same conference, he could, if he shows that in the build-up to the draft, he's a guy that could be second-round pick. Marcus Davenport, I mean, he did that. He, he tore it conference up. Conference USA, same thing. Yep. All right, I think there's more to that question. Yes, let's, uh, let's go to the next part of it. As for the issue with Broncos country booing the team, I'll just let you know I'm a season ticket holder, and I can honestly say I never booed Peyton Manning during his time here. Hey. Good job. Good. The booing is one thing I get disgusted with when I hear it at the game. It just shows how spoiled this fan base can be. The only time I ever booed the Broncos at a game was that blowout loss to the Raiders at home during McDaniels' tenure. That was the only time I felt the Broncos deserved to be booed because they never showed up for that game and we got ran out of our own house by the Raiders. I even left at halftime because all the Raider fans in the stands were just obnoxiously getting on my nerves. I didn't want to do something where it would have jeopardized my season tickets, but after that one game, I have never booed my Broncos mm. since. Love the work you guys are putting in. Keep it going, and go Broncos. Ryan, so you're shaking your head. I, have to, I will ask you guys this straight out. And we had this, day, this debate on Orange and Blue 760, and actually it led to like one of the most heated moments that I had with Ryan Edwards and Steve Atwater. Is it okay to boo the Broncos, and if so, when? Yes, I 100% think you're – I think fans can show their passion in many different ways. Sometimes their passion is frustration, but I think it's okay. I'm not going to – fans are fans. It's okay to be irrational in sports. In fact, I think one of the reasons we love sports so much is because it's the one time in life that it's okay to be irrational. And – because of that, I think fans can boo. It's irrational, and that's okay. Real quick, what I'll say about my high Manolo while I was shaking my head is you can't throw stones from inside a glass house. Once you've booed, you don't get to say that other people can't boo. You you are guilty. Well, you have standards. There's le- there's things that you are worthy of booing and things that aren't. A player that chronically underachieves, boo. An all-time top-five quarterback who's having a bad day, you don't boo. Yeah, that was absurd. But, again, it was irrational. But I Fans be- got caught up in the moment. They were upset. It's funny. We have Allie in here, of course, <laughs> from Philadelphia. A friend of mine from Philly described it as corrective booing. You care. You're trying to get more out of that team or athlete. You're trying to correct a flaw and let him know, him or her know, that there's a flaw out there. 100%. I was over here pacing, like, should I intervene? Should I add my opinion? You are the expert Um, on this, so yes. 
I am from Philly. And you know what? You have players who have played in Philadelphia their whole career and they love it. And they say, you know what? At least they're still showing up. Maybe they're booing, but it shows that they care. And you know what? I do need to pick up my game. And of course, those are the smart players who know exactly what to say to please Philadelphia fans. But there are certain times where I do think booing is like, ugh, why would you boo at that moment? But you're a passionate sports fan. It's passion. (laughs) Is there anyone in Philadelphia sports who would not get booed ever? I'll answer that no. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm just thinking to myself, okay, like, Going back in Nick Flyers. Foles got booed the first game Has Car- after he won Super Carson's Bowl. Carson's gotten booed. Oh my gosh. I mean Bobby Clark, the Broad Street Bullies, did they get booed? I'm I I'm almost positive every single athlete has been booed. Wow. Bryce Harper was booed this year. Carson Wentz has been booed. Donovan yeah. McNabb. Everyone gets booed. It was fun to watch the arc of, it's the, a rite the, of passage. the fan reaction to Bryce Harper because the first week of the se- of the season last year, Bryce Harper was like Jesus a la Buddha all rolled into one. And then by midseason, he's getting booed mercilessly when he's popping out to right. Yeah, that's what he does. Um, Hold on. Don't come at me with, oh, Philadelphia fans throw snowballs at Santa. I don't want to hear any of that. I hear it consistently. But it's true. Oh, my God. No. Go away. Disrespectful truth. Um, Welcome to the Broncos podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's fine to boo. I, I realize why it frustrates some. Some people are like, the Broncos can do no wrong. Everyone should support them at all times. I respect that, too. Mm-hmm. Wherever you land... As long as you aren't fickle in your support, I think you can do what you want. I, I agree. I, I agree. I, I get that, but don't boo a top five all-time quarterback. Don't boo. The, by when the way, the, t- the, Patri- when the Patriots fans booed Tom Brady at halftime of the Chiefs game this year. I know that, and it was absurd, and it was completely nuts, just like it was nuts to boo the Broncos when they were winning that, that at might, halftime. That might be across the line. Booing while winning might actually yeah. cross a line. But me. I will say, I think that a lot of the boos came from fans who had money on the Broncos <laughs> and were sure. giving 28 points. <laughs> I'm sure. Here's, a, here's some advice for you, and I actually wrote it in – One of my early Broncos columns uh, for a long-since-dead site, um, I wrote, don't ever take a 28-point favorite in the NFL. You are (laughs) asking to lose. It's true, and you lost if you bet them that day. Next one coming in from Iceman. Hey, friends, if you never cheat, you seriously are not trying hard enough. No matter how you view it, the Pats and Pittsburgh have six Lombardis each, but Green Bay is still title town. Give me Brady, Zach, or give me death. Just kidding. I love Andrew Stephen Locke. Lost in Space is my sci-fi show mace. Okay, Ryan. Great to hear you this week. Go Allie, Lindsay, and Broncos. (laughs) (laughs) Was my mom always maybe jokingly said when I was growing up, cheaters are leaders. And apparently that's the same in the NFL. (laughs) That is unbelievable (laughs) that your mom said that. Maybe it's a subliminal what, message. What sort of lessons were going on in the Stevens household I if guess, that was uh, coming from one of the parents? I, don't, I wonder I don't Zach likes Tom Brady so much. <laughs> oh. he's, he's leading right now. Um, I, as a college football fan, have often said, yep. if, you, if you aren't cheating, you aren't doing everything you can to win. Yep. And it's true. Um, I, I think at professional sports, it gets a little different, though, because the playing field is a lot more even. 
um, like the Astros stuff. That is not okay. That and is the Red super Sox. not okay. I think using the technology t- to cheat is a huge like it's like I said this in the office the other day. It's the difference between uh, murder out of passion and premeditated murder. <laughs> like murder out so of you, passion. So you get off a little easier. Like, it's like, like crime of passion. So like yeah, cr- like so if you come home and your wife is cheating on you right, with someone right. and you kill that right, person, right. The, the, the punishment is actually less yeah. than if you planned out to kill. Oh, the uh, punishment some, is less too. Yes. Well, you might end up, you know, getting life both ways, but right. you, the crime is treated as a l- slightly okay. lesser crime. As it should be. Right. I was just thinking passion. You smile on your face. You're just blowing. Love killing. Off. <laughs> no, it's like you, you see some. You, you see, let's say you walk in and you see your spouse in flagrante with somebody else (laughs) and something just snaps (laughs) and you 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 could try to defend yourself literally on temporary insanity yeah because that site might make you temporary insane temporarily insane if you have a good lawyer you'd be all right how did we get here (laughs) i don't know but if we're ever in that if you're ever in that situation Make sure you got Harvey Steinberg on your side. <laughs> oh, yep. that's true. Mr. Undrafted. Hey, you'll appreciate this. Like <laughs> you'll appreciate this, Zach. And speaking of cheating. <laughs> yes. Right. Here we are somehow the, went from cheating in sports to cheating and on to killing, And then killing someone in that situation. Yeah. Oh, it was because I was saying that cheating with technology is premeditated oh, murder. Oh, right. So what about cheating with deflating footballs? Not as bad. That because be, it doesn't involve technology, but that's right? premeditated. That takes planning. It is premeditated cheating. Mm. Yes, that is bad. But it's also not like filming. Like right. those things are just so dirty. Right. Honestly, Deflate Gate, I believe they needed to be punished for it. But I also don't believe it changes the game. Does anybody in this room believe that Patriots football operations was not aware of what was going on in the press box last month? Absolutely not. Oh, they for sure knew. And the guy yes. himself pretty much admitted that. When you're, oh, nope, I can delete it right now. Oh, I can. So <laughs> sketchy. I mean, it was so busted. <laughs> yeah. Right. Nobody believes you, New England. No. Mr. Undrafted, here are the odds for Tom Brady. Do you agree? And where do you think makes the most sense for him? New England Patriots, minus 400. Retire, 4 to 1. Chargers, 5 to 1. Raiders, 6 to 1. Broncos ten to one, Panthers ten to one, Browns fifteen to one, Titans eighteen to one, Bears and Dolphins both twenty to one. It is interesting that the three top non-Patriots teams are all in the AFC West. Isn't that crazy? And Isn't I would that- I would say the Panthers. You move them down after hiring Matt Rule. That was probably based in part off of Josh McDaniels' notion. Although the one thing with the Panthers. Their owner, David Tepper, we've talked about his vast cash reserves. And after the press conference to announce the Matt Rule hiring yesterday, he kind of alluded to that and being able to spend whatever the hell he wanted (laughs) outside of the salary cap. But we mentioned with the Broncos, the guarantees, well, you have to take that cash and put it in escrow. Right. That is no problem for David Tepper. And if he got the itch to go after Tom Brady, he could say, look, Tom, we'll give you a two-year contract just like another team might, but I'm willing to say all $70 million of this, 35 a year, 
Every last nickel is guaranteed, and I can put this in escrow easily because I'm worth $12 billion. Right, right. Yeah, I disagree with one of these big time. And that's the, well, I disagree with two of them, actually. Okay. And it's the top two odds. I disagree with New England at minus 400. I think it's a bad bet. I think there's a lot going on there. I would not put them, I probably don't even put them as a favorites. I understand why they have to for betting purposes. And I also wouldn't put retire at four to one. That would be at the bottom of the list for yeah, me. Yeah, for me too. Yeah, because that's basically saying that he's got a 20% chance of retiring. Yeah. Yeah, no, no way. way. No way. at most. Yeah. So no. it's 50 to one. Yeah. Right. Right, yep, and uh, so that just knocks the Chargers, Raiders, and Broncos further up that list. I think they have the Browns too low because they have the possibility of hiring McDaniels. If I was making a bet, I would bet on the Browns. I'd still bet on the Chargers because I think the NFL is going to have something to say and they're going to try to manipulate this a little bit. Sitting at 10-1. to 1. I may put it on the Broncos. Silly. <laughs> but, hey, Mr. Undrafted, I love that you put this out here because it, it shows me, because I was questioning a little bit, am I crazy? But it shows me that I'm not, I'm not crazy. There's a legitimate chance. Um, Browns, is. I like have a feeling. Like, it, if Why someone shows – here's the thing. There's an old saying. If someone shows who you are, shows you who they are, believe them the first time. <laughs> and, and Josh McDaniels showed us who he is. Okay, let me ask you this. The Browns go get Tom Brady. Baker Mayfield is available. Would you try to trade for him? The Broncos or New England? I can say the Broncos. No. I'm good. All right. I, lo- I, I, love, I love Baker. I, 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 look, I love Baker as well. I'm probably trading for Baker Mayfield. So here's the thing for me that Drew Locke has that Baker Mayfield doesn't, and that is the – smarts on how to be the face of the franchise without causing issues like baker he does this like i'm me no matter what thing and in the draft process i actually loved it and i saw this i i I forgot about the part where things go wrong and when things go wrong that gets really ugly and it's a really bad look and i know that Drew Locke is not going to do those things. He's not going to hold vendettas against media members for writing a column about him. He's not going to snap. He's not going to, you know, just act like a general bag when things aren't going well. Well, the Tony Grossi thing is different because Tony Grossi literally said that he would retire if the Bronco if the Browns drafted Baker Mayfield and there he is still working. So okay, in Baker, Baker Mayfield's mind, been- Tony Grossi hasn't lived up to his word. If I was Baker and I was actually being Baker, I would just be like, you retired. Why would I answer your question? Um, <laughs> Every single time he'd ask one. Um, but for me, it's just like, don't. why does he even know that? Right. Just ignore it. Yeah. And, and you that, shouldn't even, you should hurt. Maybe you hear that someone said that. You shouldn't even know what the guy looks like. That's what Drew admits to. He says, you know, I don't hear the noise. And maybe he does, but it's a smart answer to say, I don't hear the noise. I go on social media to, you know, prop my, 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 uh, uh, my sister's stuff up on Instagram, and that's about it. And that's smart. That's what I would do. And to show off as a girlfriend. They're right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, I admit on this, I kind of go back to, I, I'm biased by my pre-draft evaluations and what I've seen from them on the field, and that's to this point. And that's why if you, today, if you said Baker Mayfield or Drew Locke, I'm still taking Baker Mayfield. So let's, but, say, let's say the trade is Baker for Drew Locke. 
Straight up? Yeah, because because Josh McDaniel says, I like the prospect of Drew Locke. I think he's way better than Baker at like sitting behind Tom Brady for a year or two. Whose quarterback room do you like more? What, Baker Mayfield and Brandon Allen versus Tom Brady and Drew Locke? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, if it's the room, you have to go with the Browns. But So then why are who, you who so the- against Tom Brady here then? Because because you'd have that room, it would just be in Denver, not Cleveland. You have a better room, but you're you're sacrificing part of the future. For but that. what about a quarterback room that is? It won't look. It won't be Tom Brady and Baker Mayfield. But right. let's say it's a quarterback room of Tom Brady and Drew Locke, or you hang on to Drew Locke. And it's a quarterback room of Locke and Marcus Mariota. Here's the thing: I Ma- like the Locke Mariota quarterback room. Better than the Brady Lock room. I love the Brady Lock quarterback room because in my room, Brady's the backup. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> He'd be a good backup. He'd be expensive too. Yeah, he would be. We talk about Mariota's cost of being a backup. Yeah. <laughs> no, we say, Tom, we need you to take a discount as our backup quarterback because that's how we're going to win. That's what you've been doing your whole career, right? What did I notice? What team was it the other day? I forget what team it is. Some NFL team, though, matched their numbers. I, I don't know why I'm thinking this right now. Matched their numbers on the field to the same style as the numbers on their jerseys, and I really liked it. The Vikings do it. The Jaguars do it. Um, it's become, oh. it's something that's becoming more popular. It was something that when I worked for the Broncos, I suggested internally. I said, why don't – they why really don't, don't like painting the field, Mason. <laughs> you needed to figure this out. Yeah, <laughs> why don't the numbers match the, font, the jersey font? Uh, that is, I mean, you two uniform guys, that is something that would never cross my mind. It just looks not, it's hard. It's, this is about identity. But what I hate about mm-hmm. the Vikings is how they have two <laughs> different threes. Like, if it's two different numbers, if it's like the first digit or the last digit. So when you see a guy wearing 33, the threes are different. What? That's yes. weird. Take that a look at that. Uh, is that and Dalvin it, Cook, and it, right? And I yeah. absolutely hate it. That is god Visually, it is... It is it's like uppercase threes and lowercase threes. Kind of, well, like one's got like one's got little kind of tails, little edges on them, and the other doesn't. And it oh. visually, it drives me insane to look at it. That's Absolutely wow. insane. Wow. This is a long podcast for Mister Undrafted. <laughs> if you guys were the Broncos GM, how much of the cap would you spend on each side of the ball, and what percentage of each side would spend where? If it was broken down to O line, wide receiver, tight end, QB, running back, O line, D line, defensive back, linebacker. Well, I'll start. QB would be an unlimited budget. Quarterback wants ninety percent. Fine, he can have it if he's worth it. If if he's elite, I'm paying elite. That that's where I start. Anything to the quarterback, I am never going cheap on the quarterback. Essentially, you never lose a quarterback over money. Exactly. Exactly. And you're not going to let them demand a hundred million a year. Right. It, well, and if Peyton Manning's out there, di- didn't the Broncos, didn't Peyton choose the Broncos and then they were like, okay, now we'll get the contract worked out. That's pretty yes. much, that's pretty much what I'm saying. If there's an elite guy out there, you bring him in and then you're like, oh yeah, of course it's, they kept much the cap check. space open. And if you recall that week while they were trying to get Peyton Manning, they were very quiet in free agency. That week, I think there were a couple of kind of fringe signings in those few days, but they kept that space open for Peyton Manning. If they hadn't managed to get him, they would have probably had some cap carryover because I don't know they could have spent on quality at that point because all the other quality free agents had gone by the wayside. The Broncos bought a Super Bowl. Yeah. 
Simple as that. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? How much is that worth to you? Well, they like, just buy us. They bought two Super Bowl appearances. They bought four division titles. They bought four seasons of twelve or more wins. Right. It think wasn't just the, the Super Bowl they win. Sold, think of all the the concessions they sold. I mean, yeah. th- well, there's no number that can outweigh that on a contract. Remember this with the Broncos. Heading into that offseason, even though they'd been to the playoffs the previous year, they'd struggled for the years before that, and they had taken a hit in luxury suites and club seats. And those are the parts of the stadium that you keep all for yourself. You sign Peyton Manning, all of a sudden, everything sold out, and they were able— rich people want to come. And they were able to charge more going forward for— the sweet inventory in particular because you had Peyton Manning. And I remember kind of getting some figures and some base figures on the cost of an average suite, an average club seat that was unsold, and then kind of calculating it. And Peyton Manning paid for himself in premium seats alone. It's amazing. Easy. Um, to answer your question, though, I don't look at it that way. I wouldn't look at it as, okay, we have this much percentage to spend on secondary – because then you put yourself into a corner, and you're going to end up making exceptions anyway. Um, and it changes every year based on the composition right. of the team. It's a player-by-player player yeah. type of thing. From World to Suck, other than the Broncos winning the Super Bowl, my dream scenario for 2020 definitely involved Andy Dalton being traded to the New England Patriots and leading the team to a Super Bowl appearance. The world would finally wake up and see that Tom Brady is just wildly <laughs> overrated and always have been. I'll take it another step further. Jameis Winston. Because uh, then we becoming, be vindicated. becoming the latest Buccaneer quarterback to go somewhere else and win a Super Bowl because, of course, Doug Williams did it, Steve Young did it, Trent Dilfer did it. Oh, my Ouch. gosh. That's wild. If Andy Dalton led the Patriots to the Super Bowl next year, would you change your opinion of Tom Brady being the greatest of all time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I would. And uh, I think – I think everyone wants to see, except in New England, outside New England, everyone wants to see Tom go somewhere. At least I do. I don't want Tom to retire. I want Tom to be around. I want to see, is it Brady? Is it Belichick? Or are they both fantastic? I want to see. Yeah. Although I don't think we're going to know Brady because he's going to suck no matter where he goes. And I think the Patriots— be careful what what you say. and, And I don't care that Tom Brady isn't the Patriots quarterback. I'm still penciling the Patriots in for the playoffs until I see otherwise. Yeah, I, I would too. I mean, but even if it's Again, they went 11-5 and five with Matt freaking Castle. I agree. And Is this it, defense should probably be even better than it was this year. So it's Stidham as the quarterback. Let, let's say that's what it is, 11-5? and five? If Stidham is the quarterback, I'd say 10-6. and six. Weren't they undefeated with Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy G? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I, I, think the, I think Emperor Palpatine of Foxborough, Massachusetts, will find a way. Yeah, I do too. Uh, again, it's like a until until otherwise, until so then, proven otherwise. So then you, Lord, you guys baby. think, without a doubt, Bill Belichick's the best coach of all time? For sure. Yeah. I'm still going with Lombardi, but it's, Here's the thing it's with, razor thin between Belichick and Lombardi right now. Here's the thing. What gets overlooked when the discussion is, is it Brady or Belichick? It's not as if they drafted Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning or John Elway, one of these generationally good quarterbacks, and then he led them to all the success. This is a sixth-round quarterback who turned into arguably the greatest of all time. Something had to happen between when he got there 
And when he started winning all these Super Bowls, that's why I always lean towards the Belichick is the the most important catalyst of this or there, of this equation. There's also something else to think about with Jarrett Stidham. Where did he go to school? Auburn. Exactly. So, what school went against him as rivals for a few years? Alabama. Alabama. Who coaches Alabama? Nick Saban. Who is Bill Belichick's good friend? Nick Saban. I'm still not following. <laughs> no, I'm not what I'm saying is, Jarrett Stidham might be there because Nick Saban said this guy was a blank to go against for me. I think he's got something, and Bill would say, "Okay." I don't. I don't think Bill Belichick drafts Jarrett Stidham without a full scouting report from Nick Saban. You, you know what I think is brilliant is Belichick is good friends with Saban. Why would John not do that? Be good friends with Saban? Yes. Why would you not be good friends with the greatest coach who's having the greatest talent come through day in and day out? Well, maybe instead, what he needs to do then, if he if Belichick is going to be good friends with Saban, maybe John Elway and Vic Fangio need to go camp out at Clemson. With Cle- at Clemson and with Ed down at LSU. Yeah. Oh, my guy. <laughs> my absolute yeah, guy. Go you Tigers. Know, the, you know, the Patriots can have Alabama, and the Broncos could take Clemson and LSU. Man, that'd be, that, that would be smart. Man, you want to know what the real answer to this question is? <laughs> what? In my opinion, I don't think John Elway's strong suit is making friends. Yeah, I mean, we talk about how small his circle is all the time. We, we don't talk about how it's growing and growing and can't be stopped. You know who I think could have a great relationship with Saban, though? Is Vic Fangio. I think I could see them being friends. Oh, just total football guys? Yeah. Yeah, I can and see just, it, like, too. They're kind of a similar demeanor. Yeah, and, and like, yeah, I can see it, too. Man, I just want to see John and Ed hang out, and all night Josh is going, good for you, bud, and I just like, John, John. See, wow, I think, was that Bane or Ed Orger? I, 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 I think Vic and Dabo could get along. Yeah. I think Vic is – I think Vic can make friends. I think he's a, yeah. a guy who – Especially, he's very intelligent. He knows a lot about football, but he's also, I think he's cooler than people give him credit for uh, outside of the lines. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? Maybe we start finding out that other coaches have a thing for Hallmark Christmas movies. (laughs) You know, it's like soap operas back in the day, right? John Elway has talked about how when he was waiting to hear about what was going on with being traded to the Broncos, he was with his buddies at Stanford watching All My Children. No way. It's weird. Oh, my gosh. Next one coming in from World of Suck. Other than the Broncos winning the Super Bowl, my dream scenario. Oh, no, we just read that. I'm sorry, guys. True Chant Fan 24, DNVR fam. I'll make this real quick. Just a crazy thing that just happened in the football world. Mike Leach to Mississippi State. No way. So so after they missed out on Joe Judge. They won that. I think so. I think so. So they thought better of hiring Steve Sarkeesian. That was the rumor. It was floating around for a bit. They just got another guy who's a loose cannon. Yeah. So it's not. It's not going to be Sark Vegas. It's going to be Mike Leach's town. You know what? We need to find out what Mike Leach. Whether what Mike Leach does can work in the SEC. That's the. That's the big question about this, and that's what what we've been waiting for. You know what the best part about this is? What is that Washington State's going to suck again and the Buffs don't have to deal with them anymore. <laughs> but he was perfect at Washington State. <laughs> yes, he was. And he was perfect at Texas Tech. Yes. And even though Stark Vegas is an out-of-the-way outpost in the SEC, it is still in the SEC. So 
there's going to be a spotlight on him that has never existed before on Boy. a day-to-day basis. Speaking of Saban, I don't think Saban likes that. Probably not. He, I mean... Because that's a whole nother ball game. That, I mean, that's a whole different game plan than what you're going up against. Let's hope that he works out better than well, the lo- Similar to than, what LSU yeah. just did to, to drop a 50-burger on you. Yeah. Yeah. But do you remember the last time a Washington State coach went to the SEC? I do not. Mike Price. Mm. And you know how that ended. No, I nope. don't. <laughs> he didn't coach a game. What? Wow. Did he Belichick him? Oh, no. It's McDanielsum? No, 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 no. Where, where else can we go with this? Oh, this is uh, this is one of the most. How long ago was this? This was back in uh, 2003. Oh, wow. oh yeah. I okay. Going like 1967. <laughs> he was hired in December of 02. His contract was rescinded after spring practice because there were reports that he was seen in a strip club during a trip where he was playing in a golf tournament and also had about $1,000 charged to his hotel room by an unknown woman staying in the room. And there was a story about like how um, <laughs> the woman was with him and she said, roll tide. And he said, it's rolling, baby, it's rolling. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Oh god, wow. that was great. The look on Mace, Mace's face when he was telling that story was so good. Oh wow. yeah, the, the, this is. It, I, I'm looking back. This was a story on a uh, ESPN.com back in the day. He away from his wife, he prowled the local strip clubs, drank himself silly, and spent the high, night in his hotel room with at least one stripper and probably two. One stripper claimed she shouted, roll tide during, quote, aggressive sex, unquote, <laughs> to which she replied, quote, it's rolling, baby, it's rolling, unquote. Oh, my so gosh. Let's, so Great reporting, by the yes, way. Can yes. we just say that it's probably impossible for Mike Leach to turn out as badly as the last ex-Wazoo coach to go to the SEC? Probably not. <laughs> um, I guess we have to wait till after spring practice. Is that a fireable practice. offense? <laughs> it's rolling ba- uh, it's rolling baby it's rolling <laughs> I feel like uh, in 2003 I'm kind of surprised that that was a fireable offense in 2020 yeah probably gets so blown up on social media that they have no choice right in 2003 I'm kind of surprised they didn't just kind of sweep it under the rug well yeah. it is the bible belt <clears throat> that's mm, true yeah so there was the what's that Arkansas coach who had the scandal yep. and he got yep. fired. Yep. Yeah, Bobby Petrino. Yes, yep. yes, yes, yes. The the motorcycle. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, Mike Leach to Mississippi State. Yes, I'm just so happy that Washington State is going to go back into the gutter. Um, <laughs> and Mike Mike Leach on a bigger stage too. That'll be fun. Yes, and it's probably going to end in flames actually. <laughs> um, from True Champ Fan 24 to kind of damper the mood here. Um, but an important uh, thing to acknowledge. He says, DMVR fam, I'll make this quick, and I'm sorry to be a downer. Tragedy struck my small town of Kellogg, Idaho, Tuesday afternoon. An avalanche buried skiers at our local ski resort. Please stay safe when enjoying winter sports, and do not ignore the warning signs posted. Love y'all. Be safe out there. And we're thinking of uh, you up there in Kellogg, Idaho, true champ fan. Um, really tragic. Yeah, very tragic, and absolutely sending, sending our best uh, to you and everyone up there in Idaho. All right, before we go too much further, um, Green Mountain Dental. 
As you may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty important, and our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth, and Green Mountain Dental Group will hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. Here on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for leaving us reviews on iTunes. We always appreciate those. And uh, fellas, as we begin the third segment here, how long do you think this podcast has already been? Oh boy, hour 45. Mace? Uh, probably two hours and two minutes. Right in between you guys, 152. Mm. So <laughs> let's get into the questions here. So we, uh, do we want to try to speed it up a little bit? Speed round of questions? Maybe. Uh, I don't All know. right, now we're wrapping I'm up looking the at this question. I don't know. I'm looking at this question. I'm thinking this may not be a speed round question. Be more Bronco. Hi, guys. Enjoy the convo y'all had on Simmons. Anywhere from 12 to 15 million is fine with me. The Broncos have a $210 million adjusted cap for 2020, making that spread negligible to me in the grand scheme of roster construction. Speaking of roster construction, what are your thoughts on these less frequently discussed free agent options? Javon Hargrave, defensive lineman, Steelers. Heading into 2020, the Steelers have minimal cap space, so he seems likely to be available. Seems like one of those guys who could end up you know being signed and no one knows too much about him right away and he ends up being a good signing yep by far the best season in terms of pressures generated for him last year i think he had 43 total pressures according to pro football focus and if you're gonna pay a defensive lineman in this market it's got to be somebody who can generate pressure on the quarterback and someone who can take pressure off of a what the guys are going to see off the on the edge. And Hargrave has the potential to do that. So I think he's a guy that you'd think about. Next possibility from Be More Bronco, Nick Kwiatkowski, inside linebacker from the Bears. Obviously a Vic Fangio connection, and he played really well this season in his spot starts. Down the stretch, he played the best ball of his career. Of course, it's interesting that it happened in Chuck Pagano's defense, whereas wasn't quite as effective when he did spot starts and got playing time with Vic Fangio, but that being said, he does know the scheme, and if you bring him in, this could be an Ed McCaffrey type of signing back in 1995, of course. Mike Shanahan brings Ed McCaffrey over from San Francisco. He knows the scheme. Shanahan knows what he can do, and he goes from being a number three, number four type receiver to somebody who can start, who makes that level jump because of the skills that he had not had a chance to show and his familiarity with the scheme. Yeah, but like you said, Macy, he is a guy that didn't do much in Vic's defense himself. So, Tavon Austin would love to see a team commit to him in the Chris Thompson role, which is where he belongs. As a running back? Hmm. 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 I mean, I'm, I'm, in, on, I'm in for Tavon yeah. Austin I, but I'm, uh, yeah. at the right price. Yeah. He's made a lot of money for doing not very much in his career. Um, yes, but the performances I'm, never match the potential. Yeah. But some of that is, has he been used correctly? Well, I think they've tried a, a lot of different places. have tried a lot of different mm-hmm. things to use him correctly. Uh, but I think that he's a guy that you can bring in. I mean, it does kind of kill me watching the bills and I guess we don't get to watch it anymore. The bills use Isaiah McKenzie and to a, a lot of success. Yeah. They're getting him into open space and having him create plays. Um, it'd be nice if the Broncos had a player like that. They drafted one, 
They gave him a job that he didn't earn, and then they cut him because he did such a poor job at the job that he didn't earn, but they never used him in the way that the Bills are using him. The Bills said, oh, you guys drafted him as a punt returner, and he sucks at that? Cool, yeah, we don't need him to do that. We want to <laughs> use him on offense as a weapon. Yep, exactly. Finally, Quentin Spain, guard from the Bills. I believe he's primarily played left guard in the NFL, but had experience at tackle and guard in college, so I'm curious if he could fill Leary's spot at right guard. He is huge. 6'5", 340. Oh. So I don't know if he's really fitting this uh, this mold. He's not the most quick-footed of linemen, and that's what you're looking for in this scheme. Of course, he spent last season with Buffalo. Before that, he's with Tennessee, but with Tennessee after Mike Munchak was there. So there's no real connection. From Dan Burke, all this talk of Chris Jones reminds me that the Chiefs originally wanted to trade up for Laquan Treadwell in the 2016 draft. Imagining that lumbering 4.63 40-yard dash receiver on the current Chiefs team instead of one of the best interior pass rushers in the league. This is the same draft that the Broncos traded up over KC to draft Paxton. When Treadwell and Paxton got drafted, they traded out of the first and drafted Chris Jones. Imagine how different things could have been SMH. (laughs) Sometimes things work out best for you when they didn't work out the way you want. Cough, cough. Cortland Sutton. Luck is involved. Yes, I was thinking about that yesterday, actually. Uh, He goes on and says, I'm thinking it's more and more likely that McGovern is going to walk. Mike Cliss said last night that the Broncos want to keep him, but around the price of $5 million. Yeah, right. He also reiterated that the team's confidence in Patrick Morris or Austin Schlotman will affect their decision. We've not learned anything else about those guys now. I trust Mike Munchak. Um, He goes on, did anything about those guys... Did anything that those guys did this year give you confidence in a, in them as a full-time starter, especially in lim- or extremely limit, limited sample size, but Morris flashed more in his one start than several Schlotman starters? I would agree with Dan Burke there. Uh, definitely more from Morris. That was promising. I thought Schlotman got exposed when he did, was out uh, there. Did Patrick Morris have one more game ball than Von Miller? Did Vaughn have a... Which means that Jake s- Rogers had one more... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder if... Do you think Vaughn didn't have one? Do you know? I'm trying to think of a game that... Did he have a two-sack game that were, like, big? I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> How nice. about that? Hey, what if they bring back the Vance Joseph eyeballed? <laughs> <laughs> you have the game so balls, and then you have the eyeballed. <laughs> that was so dumb. <laughs> Uh, from Cleavers 83 let me just say I'm so glad you guys are logical and sound minded people and scoffed at the idea of Wade and Fangio teaming up some other fans were talking about how uh, talking emphasize the fact that fan (laughs) is in all caps some fans were talking so much about how they'd love that idea and it'd be perfect for oh I now I get the joke now Um, be perfect for Vic because he shouldn't call the defense anymore and needs to just manage the game at that point I closed my podcast app and waited for you fine gentlemen to post the pod. Also, Chris Jones, probably the most ideal free agent we could get. Placing him next to Vaughn and Chubb would be deadly. You have to double-team one of them, and the other guys would feast. As always, love the pod and the fam. We love you, Cleavers83. Thanks for coming to us. That's awesome. Appreciate that. We're trying to make, we're trying to make better fans. Yes, exactly. As it were. Gun Gun 1989 coming in. Mace, while watching Scooby-Doo with my daughter last night, I had a great idea. I was thinking of writing a succinct 12,000-word short story where Mystery Inc. investigates the Broncos' punting issues and what really went on between the team and Riley Dixon. 
Please let me know if the comment section is the appropriate place to publish this. Go DNVR and go Broncos. I'd love to see it in the comment section. Understand we probably won't read all 12,000 <laughs> words here on the podcast. That's an audio book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, if, the, if we're talking about Scooby-Doo, that means somebody's mask has to be pulled off and reveals somebody else underneath. It's Marquette King. He pulls off a mask and reveals someone who sucks at punting. Or does he pull off Tom McMahon's mask and reveal that it's Riley, that's it's Colby Wadman's father? <laughs> <laughs> Let's oh. see who you really are, Tom McMahon. Oh, you're Colby Wadman's dad. <laughs> so, and I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for you meddling kids. <laughs> so here's a weird thing. Why did Tom McMahon... Marquette King claims that Tom McMahon ruined him as a punter. Why did Tom McMahon want to bring in Marquette King just to change what he was doing so well? I don't know if Tom McMahon wanted to bring in Marquette King. Huh. Now that's Maybe it was all a plot to get Colby Wadman the job. <laughs> Push Riley Dixon out. Know that Marquette King, if he was asked to do different things, would struggle. And then it all works out to bring in his guy, Colby Wadman. Could be. I think when you're paying this a punter This would be very Scooby-Doo-ish. When you're bringing in a big-time punter, I think that's the GM. But you have to be working together with a special teams coach. Do you? When you're John Elway and this is first-year head coach Marquette King? Or, or Tom McMahon? Yeah, but... First-year special teams coach, you mean? Yeah, um, yeah. I just... It makes no sense to me. Wouldn't you go talk to him and say, like, hey, what do you think of Marquette King? Wouldn't you have talked to Paxton and Garrett Bowles before drafting him? I think they w- did. Wouldn't you have had an idea that Bradley Chubb was going to be on the board at five? <sighs> I see what you're saying. I just that, I mean, special teams <laughs> is so specialized. You think you would say, like, hey, does this guy fit what you're trying to do? Yeah. Here's what I want. I want John Elway to be sitting in the stands at Lad People Stadium in Mobile here in a couple of weeks, watch, say, Braden Mann from Texas A&M, who won the Ray Guy Award in 2018, blast a few, hear the sound, and say, I need that on my team. I- Let me just ask you this. Broncos no longer need a quarterback. Will John Oway be in Mobile? Yes. Okay. He's been there even in... He's been there even in years where they were going to the Super Bowl. He's gone down for a couple of days. Okay, good. Because it's an ang- it's just an annual thing that he does. Just in my observations of the last two years, it looked like John was only watching quarterbacks. Right. Well, now he can watch everyone else. Good, 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 good. Yeah, good. like the punters, and he, and I want him to hear the sound that comes across like a cannon being fired, and saying, "Man, I got right now. I've got." a pop gun, and I'm hearing a cannon. I want the cannon on my team. I want um, you to take notes on if John Elway is watching the punters. <laughs> I will, but I have to watch the punters as well, so I have to have my eyes in two different spots. Yeah, just glance down and see. Is he watching or is he talking to Dan Marino? <laughs> this is true. Next one coming in from 8-Bit Bronco. Hey, guys, sorry for the long delay on comments. Sadly, I have been dealing. I have been dealing with a breakup of a three-year relationship. Oh, sorry, man. That's Safe sorry, to say, man. I haven't been feeling myself. Just wanted to pop in and say that I really appreciate the pod. It's a great distraction from my current reality. Thank you, guys, and looking forward to the wackiness of the off-season pods. P.S. Appreciate this community. Well, we then I hope this podcast you. 
brought you some laughter because I think we hit the wackiness point with our Pop-Tarts. Discuss- Maybe Pop-Tarts are going to be the Hot Pockets of 2020. Yes. Could be. Yes, they are. <laughs> um, really sorry to hear that, man. Yeah. But hopefully it'll be for the best in the long run. Hey, every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end, as a song used to say. What song is that? Closing yeah. time, semi-song. Uh, yeah, of it. course. <laughs> uh, and every kiss begins with K. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a uh, song? No. It's, uh, it's a jingle. It actually is kind of a song. Yeah, Every kiss begins with K. Uh, I don't know why that came to my mind when you said that. Uh, from Gun Gun 1989. I love the drinking game rules. I really want to spice it up. Take a shot every time RK starts a sentence with, here's the thing. Oh, well, there you go. You're drinking You'd be right now. wasted within 10 minutes. That's my thing. Even in my articles, here's the thing about. It's true. That's my, it's my catchphrase. Can we get a few more times for people to enjoy their Thursday night? Well, here's the thing about why I say that. <laughs> it really sets, this, it gets your attention. It does. You know, as soon as you hear me say that, you know I'm about to make a point that I'm confident <laughs> in. As soon as you're about to say what? Here's the thing. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> here's the thing. Comment from Andrew Rowe. First of all, RK made a point that reinforced my strategy of going the free agent route for wide receiver over the draft. He said that you won't find elite linemen in free agency, so taking Worfs in the first wouldn't upset him. I completely agree. I think we get a sure thing to go with Sutton and trade up to 10 to make sure we get one of the three tackles in the draft. With potentially 12 picks, comps included, we have enough capital to trade up into the late part of the first round to get a second lineman and get the fifth-year option on him. As it stands, this line will be a liability next year. I don't see it getting better with this free agent class. I know it isn't sexy, but we have to protect Locke. You guys kind of breezed over the potential contract that A.J. Johnson might be willing to take if we re-sign him early. Have you guys seen enough after one season to think he's a high-end starter going forward and would the potential discount be worth the early cap hit? You would need a pretty good discount right now. Yeah. On him. 12 good, or 11 good games? Right. You need a bigger sample size. Maybe this just... is something you talk about at midseason if he carries it over into 2020. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The in-season re-signing, which the Broncos have done. Yep. Next one's from Pig Tosser 66 I know that you guys are against trading future first-rounders, but hear me out on this. That's not true. We just – only when you don't have a quarterback, yeah. you can't trade future first-rounders. And also when you've completed the building process. When you are one piece away, you can afford to say, we're going to trade a future first-rounder. Right. Yeah, but also if you think you have an opportunity to get a player that is is – head and shoulders above, you know, what you what other guys at that position are. That's fine, but at the same time if you if you look and say, well, we could fill this with another guy by holding on to our pick and then we keep our second rounder or we keep next year's first rounder, then I think that's the direction you go. I think the Broncos are another year away if things go well from being to talk about trading a future one to move up to get that one guy you really want. He goes on and says, if Akuto falls past the Lions and Giants, then Miami and L.A. select quarterbacks as expected. How about offering our 2021 first and maybe one of our 2023s to move up and get him at pick seven? To me, quarterback is our biggest need, and this guy is the best coming out since Jalen Ramsey. The Rams just traded two number ones and a four for Jalen and are going to have to pay him too. We can get Akuto on a five-year rookie deal for similar compensation. And with Drew, you have to think our 2021 pick is going to be at 15 to 20 at the highest. With Okuda, our safeties, now you can resign Simmons and not pay a number one, and Chubb on a quietly scary front seven, then this defense is top three in 2020. We can't let CB derail 2020. Thoughts? 
Uh, I think you're, you're still going to need to address offensive line early in next year's draft, and I don't want Drew just to be left out to the Wolves. So, no, I, I, I think the Broncos are still one year away from trading a first-round pick. Fair enough. Um, I, I agree with what you're saying about not letting corner derail 2020. That was kind of our whole conversation in the first segment, yeah. if you can remember all the way back <laughs> to the first segment. <laughs> From Nathan D., what up, guys? I've been listening to the podcast for a couple years now and took advantage of the military membership a while back, but I've never posted a comment. With my first comment, I'd like to ask your opinions on Zach Bond out of Wisconsin. We know who's going to answer this one. I keep seeing a lot of mock drafts where he falls to the mid to later part of round three with three picks in the third. I'd jump on this pick. Looking forward to what you think. An AZ Broncos. You're talking about me responding, right? Yes. Because his name is Zach. You're the guy wearing the Wisconsin hat. (laughs) Yeah, literally, yeah. (laughs) Zach Bond is interesting to me because even though he was an edge and a productive pass rusher off the edge at Wisconsin, he's also pretty good in coverage when he drops back. This is somebody who I think may be able to transition to being an inside linebacker that you can also use as a a blitzer to discombobulate a little bit. Very versatile player. So we're going inside linebackers, just outside linebackers converted to inside linebackers now? And if they have the coverage skills and the ability to backpedal and drop, I mean, look at when Bradley Chubb came in, how they were trying to teach him literally how to backpedal. Didn't really know how to do that very well. Well, Zach Bond already has that skill. Same with Brendan Langley. <laughs> he's a mu- he's much better backpedaling than Brendan Langley was when <laughs> came in this anyway no it, it, he's very he's he's smart as well play smart not he's very rarely in the wrong place i'd man I'd, I'd be intrigued with him if he's sitting there on the board third round and you haven't addressed inside linebacker otherwise first of all you can never have too many edge rushers and maybe you are starting to plan for von miller for the future beyond von miller but also the fact that he can go inside heck i could see him being a good compliment to alexander johnson Wow. Maybe a good backup to Garrett Bowles. Who knows? Coming from Wisconsin. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Next one coming in from SandMonkey27. So this could be a segment all in itself, but since it was talked about a little yesterday and have been thinking about your opinions lately, and Madden, if you ever started a franchise and did the fantasy draft to begin your franchise, then you know what I'm talking about. My question is the Broncos roster is wiped clean, and and you had to draft players from the entire league who would be some of your targets? More importantly, what positions would you target that would match your offensive and defensive strategies? Such as would you target man, press corners, highly, target a strong defensive line, highly drafted offensive line, covet Lamar Jackson and Taysom Hill to run the RRPPO. Lastly, it is funny that new subs may not know that Ryan was the OG on the pod and now he is, quote, making appearances. Keep it real, boys. First of all, I'm back. Second of all... <laughs> This is a very long question, so we'll try and uh, answer. No, I want 90-man squad. Briefly. <laughs> Obviously, you go quarterback first. Without a In doubt. fact, if you don't have one of the top 13 picks in the draft, you Just are restart. so screwed. Just restart the draft. You are so screwed. <laughs> Wait, so, let okay, let's say you're at 14. No, let's say you're at 21. Are you still going quarterback? It depends on, I mean, what quarterbacks are left. That probably not many. So are you still going quarterback to secure that, or are you going Christian McCaffrey? Oh God! I'm or are you going, going like Aaron Donald? If, right. You know, you're, like, you're going at a position where there's a significant talent drop off after say player two or player three. So 
I think Aaron Donald's a good call. But I think I, Aaron, Don- even- Aaron Donald is probably the first non-quarterback that goes off the board. When is that? I think we've actually had this discussion. Once we have, before. yeah. Um, and we we had to look at the quarterbacks. Yeah, I'd look at tight end because there aren't as an early pick because there aren't many George Kittles around. Right. Yeah. I mean, if I can't go, get the quarterback, if I have to go, if I have to go in another direction early, I'm thinking interior pass rusher, tight end. Okay, I'm going to read. The NFL quarterbacks, based on QBR this year, I don't really know. I didn't know how to rank them. Yeah. Um, and just let me know if you think this player would be drafted before any player at any other position. Are we taking an age and all that stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is starting next season. Okay. They just scrambled the whole roster. Okay. This one, uh, the first ones are obvious, so we'll go quick. Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes. Yeah. Drew Brees. Yeah. This one is where it starts to get interesting. Yep. Dak Prescott. No. No. Not me. Okay, so he falls behind. Matt Stafford. Yep. Yes, because we saw what happened to Detroit without him. So you're, we'll just say you're picking at 13 or something. Matt Stafford is there. Yeah. And so is Aaron Donald. Yep. I'm Matt taking Stafford. Matthew Stafford. Okay, all right, me too. Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah. Yep. Deshaun Watson. Yes. Yep. Ryan Fitzpatrick. As much as no. I love him. No. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Tannehill. No. No. Derek Carr. No. Carson Wentz. Yes. Yeah. Jimmy G. Yeah. Yes. Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Matt oh. Ryan. Oh, I hate him, but yeah. <laughs> I think uh, he would fall out for me. I think he's overrated. Kyler Murray. Mm, yeah. Yes. Jameis Winston. Well, am I controlling it, or is this autoplay? You're picking at 15... And Jameis Winston and Aaron Donald are left on the board. But am I controlling Jameis Winston, or is he auto-playing for me? Am <laughs> he's I auto-playing. Okay. Do you're all if of a sudden Jameis. What are your questions? Are auto- you Jameis Winston? If, he's, if, if it's auto-play, I'm going Aaron Donald. But if I'm making the reads and the throws, I'm taking Jameis Winston. No, you don't get to be – you don't get to take over his soul or something. Well, no, but you're playing him in the game, right? You're controlling – Oh, we're, I'm, we're not talking about Madden. We're talking about real life. Okay, then I'm taking – then no. Yeah, I'm taking Donald. Donald. Okay. Yeah, if it's Madden, I'm taking Jameis Winston because I'm like, well, I just won't make so many dumbass decisions and I'll reap the rewards. That makes sense. I've balled out with Jameis on Madden a few times, so uh. – I, I can understand that strategy, but no, this is real life. This is what would happen in real life. I've actually I've changed my draft strategy here. If I'm not getting any elite quarterback, so throw Matthew Stafford out of that group. If I'm not getting an elite quarterback, I'm taking quarterback with my 90th pick, and that's my starter. Building the rest of my team up and then drafting the quarterback in the first pick next year. So you're saying your starter is Brandon Allen? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Joe because Flacco, if it's maybe. 90 picks... We're picking backups as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're getting the worst quarterback in the league. Yep. Maybe the third worst because I got okay, have a backup. Okay, then it's not Brandon Allen. You got Will Greer. Congratulations. <laughs> there we go. Congratulations on the Peterman. first round pick. Oh, God. Oh, uh, I want to keep going through here, though. Tom Brady, for me, is a no. No. I would draft a different player in, in front of Tom Brady. Yeah. Daniel Jones. He's outside for me. No. Baker. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Jacoby Brissett. No. Aaron Rodgers, yes. Yes. Mm. Well, yeah, we know what you think there, Zach. <laughs> you, no, I want to hear him answer it. Uh, yes. There you go. <laughs> you uh, did it. You did it. You Phillip, came over to the, the bright you side. You just called him elite. <laughs> <laughs> Philip Rivers. No, no for me. 
Jared Goff. No. 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 That's a no for me. Josh Allen. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Thank Sam, you. Welcome to my side, guys. Sam Darnold. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Gardner Minshew. No. Andy Dalton. No. no. Mitch Trubisky. Hell no. no. Kyle Allen. No. No. Mason Rudolph. <laughs> no. Uh, and the last, and certainly not least, Drew Locke. He didn't qualify for enough throws. Yes. Joe Flacco did qualify, though, right? No. Yeah, he didn't come up on this no, list. I don't know a, how many of this counts. No, anyways. Yeah, hard no. Drew Locke for me is a, is an easy yes. 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 Absolutely. Easy. Easy, Mace? Mm, not easy, but I'm probably doing it. How about that? Drew Locke over Aaron Donald. Wow. And who says I'm the pessimist about Drew Locke? <laughs> Next one coming in from T Maddox for future. As in Tommy Maddox? I don't know, for future. Wow. He says, hi, new member. I've been listening this whole season, and it's great to get my full Broncos dose out here in Vermont. I love what you guys do. Just a minor critique. In a recent pod, Mace mentioned that AJ should be low should be low character guy, paraphrasing. Or perhaps it was in reverse, not considering a high character guy. I assume this is because he went to trial for sexual assault. As a defense attorney, this irks me a bit. I have proven sexual assault claims false before, and the defendant's name is never cleared in the court of public opinion, no matter how compelling the evidence of his innocence. AJ was acquitted by unanimous jury, and he seems like a great guy. I love that the Broncos gave him a chance. Just wanted to throw that out there. Thanks again. It's a, it's always a tough a uh, tough place to be because if you say like 100% he's innocent, no way, then people are gonna gonna point out the fact that the justice system isn't perfect. Right. If you say that he, I think the the word that was used was character questions, right. which I actually think is fair because that the court of public opinion does matter in the sense of how you're defining this, which is some people have questions about his character. Yeah, I I think so too. And it's it comes up every year. Look. Quintez Cephas, the wide receiver from Wisconsin, he was acquitted of rape charges. Undoubtedly, this is going to come up with him over the next few months as he goes to the draft process. The film says he's draftable, probably third or fourth round pick. It's a really um, sad thing both ways. Obviously, if someone does that, they are a bad person. That's messed up. They don't deserve opportunities in the NFL, in my opinion. If they didn't do it and get accused of it, that's terrible as well because the truth is they never can be fully cleared in the pub- court of public opinion because there are always going to be people who believe the other side. Um, it's it's a really ugly, sad thing that happens, and it's a t- it's a really tough thing to talk about because there there is not really any right answer. Exactly, exactly. Next one from Bronco Gator eighty seven. Hey guys, haven't posted in a while, but two quick questions on Royce Freeman. Are you guys ready to move on from Royce? I know that he didn't have a good season. Do you guys view that mostly on him on the offensive line or mostly on him on the offensive line or the limited carries? So one thing we talked about a lot here is that we're not saying move on from Royce Freeman because he's cost controlled, but you do need to upgrade the position. I'm very convinced of that. You know who you're moving on from, and that's Devontae Booker. Then you have a number three running back position open, Royce Freeman. Hello, you take that spot, especially because you proved to be a good pass catcher this year. Then you're filling that number two spot. You basically say if you bring in a running back, Phil, Royce, rookie to be named later, you're battling for the spots. What you do over the next few months determines who's one, who's two, who's three. 
And for me, Royce, you're three. And I think Phil, <laughs> but at, you worst, can battle. at worst, Phil would be two. Yeah. I think, there's, I think there's a chance that there's a new number one. Uh, you're saying they're drafting this person high? I'm not saying that it's a high chance, but yeah, second round. Interesting. Uh, Ideal scenario, I think, is one is is a one and one A with Phil as either the one or the one A. Just remember, it only took Phil like a month to go from fifth on the depth chart to the starter. It's true. And no, I'm, d- not, I'm not doubting so, Phil. Yeah. I'm not doubting but Phil. But there's a chance to use Phil more effectively than I think the Broncos did this past year, more effectively and more efficiently for him that could actually lead to maybe better production with fewer touches. Uh, I completely disagree. I think Phil needs more, more, more touches. But that's just me. Do you think they'll do that? It depends on who they get. I, I want Philip Lindsay to be a Bronco for a long time. I want him to I want him to have a, a career like Warwick Dunn or Darren Sproles. And the key to that is making sure that there is somebody else in there who can also carry the load and proves worthy of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's – and then he has another question on Justin Herbert. Are you guys really wanting the Raiders or Chargers to draft him? I know that he has regressed in his last year, but he does have a lot of potential and a strong arm. What do you guys think of the Raiders or Chargers draft from? I think we got touched on from. Yeah, go get him. Fine with us. Yeah, uh, please do. And Herbert, I mean, Paxton had a strong arm and a lot of potential. Paxton also came from a simpler scheme than that protected him a little more than Oregon's scheme did with Justin Herbert. I don't want to say, but I, I, mean, I, I don't think it's fair to say that Justin Herbert is another Paxton. I didn't, but to say that, you know, this guy's scary because he has a strong arm, and a lot of potential mm-hmm. that's Paxton could have used that same argument. Tyree Jackson had a strong arm last year. Uh, my point exactly. And it, yeah, so that's not everything, but does Herbert doesn't scare me. I'm actually, I actually think if the, if her, of Herbert and Fromm, I think Fromm has the better career. Yeah, I probably want Fromm over Herbert, and I don't want Fromm. I don't. Uh, I'd probably take Herbert, but that's just because I think Fromm. Give me is... Jalen Hurts over both of them. I'm fine with that. I'll give. Uh, you know what? I I said the Raiders for Jake Fromm. I'll toss somewhere else out there. New England Patriots. I could see that it. fits. Yep. 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 Um, and one more part of this, random. What is the favorite sitcom for you guys? My favorite sitcom is Friends, says Bronco Gator 87. You? Seinfeld? Uh, Seinfeld, yeah. Don't really watch sitcoms. I know you've watched many. Like what? Well, what's a sitcom? Friends, How I Met Your Mother, Parks and Recreation, The Office. Seinfeld. I mean, I guess it would be The Office. I have watched The Office, so okay. yeah. yeah. Uh, it's I a good choice. probably go Parks and Rec. It's kind yeah. of a generational thing, I guess. I just haven't. I think I would love Seinfeld. I just haven't yeah. had a chance to watch it through yet. But what is interesting is if you watch Seinfeld through today's eyes, you can see how many of their issues would have been solved by cell phones mm, and smartphones, which is why kind of the successor to Seinfeld, I would say Seinfeld is the bachelor's level course in that style of humor, but Curb Your Enthusiasm, which Larry David, who of course co created Seinfeld with Jerry Seinfeld, Curb Your Enthusiasm is kind of the graduate slash doctorate level show in terms of that style of humor and has certain has basically used technology to create 
different kinds of problems and issues than existed on Seinfeld. God, Speaking I forgot of, about Curb. Curb is, is amazing. So good. And we got a new season coming. I haven't seen the last new season. Yeah. I only saw the original wave. Does Entourage count as a sitcom? Yeah, I think so. Okay, then that's so my favorite. A sitcom is just a TV show? But a, a, With a, a comedy. A situation comedy. So the situation in Entourage can be, you know, guys that are, you know, propping up an actor. That's his buddies. I feel like, like HBO shows should be disqualified. Sitcoms feel like they have to be on uh, network television. Well, then here's mine. All-time favorite. Chuck. I don't know if either of you guys are familiar with that. Ended nope. like 10 years ago. Oh, it was the best. There's some comedy in it, too. All right. Chuck. From Alexa Press, Alaska Preston, sorry. Uh, hey, fellas. Probably just uh, activated my Alexa. Hey, fellas. I'll try to keep it short, but I have a few questions for you. One, CJ Anderson has taken to talking about haters, surprising, and bashing ex-teams on Twitter, most notably implied that Denver hadn't sniffed success since, quote-unquote, they left. He's not wrong. Uh, I like the guy, but his stick is getting old. Are there ex Broncos? Are there any ex Broncos who begun to rub you the wrong way? And whom would you like to see change their ways? You know what? I unfollow every player when they leave. Really? Yeah. I unfollow. Unless I really like, like I won't. I wouldn't unfollow like Chris Harris Jr. I admit, Justin Simmons if he left or Von Miller. I unfollow like the fringe guys, like the guy. I'll follow a player when they sign with the team as a rookie, like if they're an undrafted free agent and then if they don't make it i'll probably just unfollow and then if the player just doesn't bring anything on social media i'll unfollow eventually but cj is one that i'm sure i'll continue to follow and i'll let me say this um back in 2008 i was laid off by the the broncos and uh, i actually ended up working for the panthers getting a job within about five weeks or so after getting laid off by the broncos and that fall the Panthers hosted the Broncos. Man, I have never been a part of a game where I wanted one team to win so bad. <laughs> I wanted the Panthers to win. I wanted them to demolish the Broncos. If they were up 49 nothing in the third quarter, I would be like, don't pull the starters. Keep going. Keep going. Win this thing 70 to nothing. <laughs> so, yeah, when you leave involuntarily, there is – some bitterness. And I would actually say one reason why I'm kind of, I tend to be more neutral on the Broncos than say you guys is because of that experience. Like I admit, I, I, I hope certain I people are pretty do, neutral, but she, but they're your team. Like if you're, if you say, what is the team I'm a fan of? It's the Broncos, right? I wouldn't say that anymore. No. I've so got, if you stopped covering yes, football, would you be a Bronco fan? Uh, yes, I would probably go okay. back, but I would say like, if someone asked me who's your team right now, I would say um, it's complicated. Yeah. See, I, <laughs> if, if if there comes a point where I'm not covering football, I'm I'm not going to be a Bronco fan. I'll probably be a Bucks fan or depending on it could be I end up moving somewhere else and I just adopt whatever team is in the backyard because I'm going to the games as a fan. Right. We've had this talk a lot. Obviously, we both grew up Broncos fans, so that is – that is ingrained in us. Right. But the truth is, it's not like, because I don't believe in this like journalistic higher ground thing where I'm like, I like, I don't care what happens in the games. You All I care about. Story. Yeah. Like I'm not, that's not true. I want the Broncos to win. That makes my job more fun. It makes the people that we work for in terms of the subscribers more happy. That's it what makes I this do. podcast with, yeah. a lot more fun. All of that stuff plays into it, but it, 
I would be lying if I said that covering the team doesn't change your perspective on the whole thing and make you less of just a quote-unquote fan. You see how the sausage is made. And then working for a team, you see the sausage in even greater detail. And it does sort of change your view on things. And and frankly, again, after because I was one of the people who was told, hey, get out, and it wasn't voluntary, I that's sort of how I empathize with players who are cut because I've experienced that too. And that's why I, I CJ Anderson, if you know, you think he's hating on, on the Broncos. Well, you know what? I can't say that I blame him. Someone who uh, was in the organization back when you were laid off told me, and is still in the organization now, told me they thought that was one of the dumbest things uh, the Broncos had done in a while from a non-football perspective. Mace, was there fennel in the sausage? You got to see it up so close. There may have been some other things I really want to talk about. <laughs> Two, if you could have any quarterback, any current quarterback as a backup to lock, who would you choose? Any quarterback as a backup to lock, uh, Patrick they... Mahomes. <laughs> Why not Tom Brady? Patrick Mahomes, because then the Chiefs don't have Patrick Mahomes anymore. Okay, let's let's rephrase <laughs> then, this then, then to backups, your... like guys who are pretty clear backups. Ah, uh, who... tune in to the roundtable this weekend. Oh, right. Yes, there you go. Because I've got a winner on there. Three for Mr. B. Four, I've been formulating a message of thanks I want to communicate to you fine folks at DNVR. It doesn't need to be read on the pod. We're reading it right now. Just something I'd like to pass on is, oh, I got you. Is there an alternate route I could use to get it to you? Thanks for all your guys' time. Yeah, Alaska Preston, you could email us. Ryan at the DNVR.com. Zach at the DNVR.com. Is it Mace at the DNVR.com? Yeah, pardon me. Yes, it is. Okay, there you go. Couldn't easy. be easy to remember. And don't worry, I'll make sure these guys read that email when you send it. Tater, yes. <laughs> tater Tot Tom. Hi, how do you and your significant others split up the household duties of cooking, cleaning, etc.? Thanks. Uh, I do the cooking. I do the cleaning. <laughs> she does the laundry. <laughs> okay, okay. Your I, laundry? Folds and stuff? Yeah. Nice. It's a good trade because she hates dishes. Yeah. So I was like, I'll do dishes, you do laundry. There you go. And then the cooking is just, I don't even know. It's just, there was, it was never discussed. I just, <laughs> I just do the cooking. And you're okay with that? Yeah, I like cooking. Cooking, it kind of depends who's available that day. So it goes back and forth. Um, I do the washing in the laundry and some of the folding. My wife does the ironing. She likes to iron. She continue, She likes to get in front of the iron, get, get the ironing board with a movie on the TV, and that's kind of how she relaxes. And I'm like, how can that be relaxing? She's like, it just is. There's something nice about seeing the wrinkles disappear <laughs> as you go over it. And I also, can see how that's relaxing. And I think also when you're a doctor like she is, it's something where you can kind of just turn the brain off. Right. Right. And kind of get into a, a zone, right. so to speak. Dishes, it's interesting because I'll do dishes and put them in the dishwasher, and then sometimes I'll come back and they've all been rearranged. And so I'll be like, <laughs> and then, then after a while, maybe I just won't put them in the dishwasher. And she's like, why don't you put them in the dishwasher? And I'll say, because you rearrange them. Why am I going to waste my time on this? <laughs> uh, I would say that it's pretty just evenly split, do whatever we can. But uh, probably she does more of the cooking when it's us two, and I do the cleaning. She cooks some interesting, like, <laughs> not in a bad way. I just feel like she has a uh, interesting mind for cooking. I'm, I just see this on social media. How so? Like, just very uh, new age meals. 
<laughs> I'm sure she'll appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do mean it as a compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. Yeah, we're trying some different things at home. Like we did the the green chili queso for New Year's Day mm. that we'll probably be doing again on Super Bowl Sunday. That was something we had not tried before. Save some. For yes. Us. Well, yes. the one thing that we, you put a little flour in it in this recipe, and we couldn't quite get all the lumps out. So that's the one thing that. We were talking about, we feel like we need to find a way to correct is make sure that there aren't lumps. But it didn't affect the flavor. The flavor was tremendous. Hmm. I bet. We just bought a whisk. You could whisk it. That's true. We have whisks. I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have kitchen utensils and appliances that I don't know what the hell they do. <laughs> I feel oh like my over time that happens. Okay, the Wait, last the comment here, and if you're sad that this podcast is about to end, don't worry. It's the longest comment <laughs> of the day. just beginning. Okay, from Y.O. Bronco. Hello, Team DNVR. One, what, t- what kind of money do you think Chris Jones will get? We Tw- kind of 20 million. been talking about the $20 million range. Per year. What's the guarantee? A lot. Yeah, four years. Uh, would you say at least $50 million yeah. guaranteed? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Two, move up, move down, or stay at 15. What would each of you do at this time in the process? I'd move up just because you have all this draft capital. Yeah, I always lean towards move up. Yeah, me, John recently has been leaning towards lean move back. Yep. I'm looking at how the board could fall and how at this point I expect it to fall. A lot's going to change, obviously, in the next three and a half months. But right now, I would lean toward trading back. Hmm. Three's for Mr. B. Four, never been much of a McManus fan, but he is fairly reliable and consistent, and that can be a nightmare to find, as we've seen. Yes, I ended up coming back on that. (laughs) The Broncos have been very lucky to go basically from Elam to Prater to McManus with that kind of that weird first year for McManus where they had to bring in Connor Barth at the end of the season. But they have had relative stability at the kicking position since – 93, and the guy that was there for four years before that, David Treadwell, was a pro bowler. And then before that, they had Rich Carlos for eight seasons. So the Broncos have been pretty well set as far as having trustworthy kickers for a long time. So this is where I will put on my Tampa Bay hat and remind you of what it's like for the other half that goes through trying to find a kicker tearing the hair out of one's scalp in frustration because none of those kickers can deliver. You yeah. don't want that existence. You don't want to lose two games in a year because of your kicker. Five, any interest in Jason Peters at a low cost, one- to two-year deal for, dare I say, a Band-Aid while they groom a new young tackle? He is 38. I mean, he's better than Garrett Bowles. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm into it, especially cheap. Yeah. Six, pros and cons to waiting a month to evaluate the roster. Uh, I say neither. There's nothing. It doesn't change anything. You get away from the emotion of the season. That's the pro. Shouldn't you be able to do that as a professional in the first place? I just, I'm just trying mm. to picture, like, Monday after the season's over, Mike Munchak just coming in and, like, taking, like, Garrett Bowles's all the files he has on him, just, like, stabbing them with, like, a scissor. I I mean, I think you, like Ryan said, I you should be able to do it without the emotion. And Vic walks by and says, don't be so hard on the guy. I mean, he was there every day. <laughs> Either way, I, I don't think there are pros or cons. I guess the you're right. The pro is you refresh your mind. I think your mind can be really worn out by the end of the season, and you're just kind of done. Um, so I do think it's nice to just step away, 
refresh and then come back. Couldn't the con be you forget some stuff? <laughs> you forget to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you get to the training game. You're like, oh, d- oh, we forgot to evaluate the <laughs> roster. <laughs> um, yeah, you might forget something here or there. Eight, I hope they take the season as a whole when looking at Hamilton. Two decent games and 14 bad. Don't get all the love for Hamilton and Patrick. They're nothing more than Jags. And actually, that, and actually, Deshaun Hamilton and Garrett Bowles are two reasons why you st- take a step back and wait a few weeks mm-hmm. because you may be tempted in the first week of January to say, well, they played well down the stretch. You wait a bit, and then you evaluate the entire season and get a better idea of, did this guy turn a corner, or was it just the end of the year, kind of a, a September call-up type of thing in baseball? Yeah, but how about this? Statistically, uh, I took a step back and looked at Dejon Hamilton. First 11 games, he had 11 catches for 106 yards. Last five games, not a two-game sample size, he had 24 catches for like 200 yards. Are, are those fantastic numbers? No. Over the course of a season, it's like 65 um, if he did that five games for a 16-game season, it's like 65 catches for 600 yards. Is that fantastic? No, but is that your three, third yes. receiver? Yes. And, and he's done it now. It's not just two good games. It's five. And he had that sort of production two years in a row down the stretch, too. Right. Uh, nine. Why, after pounding the table for inside linebacker last year, are we not doing it again this year? Yes, A.J. was a pleasant surprise, and Davis was fine, his fine, consistent self but we still can't cover tight ends and backs. Although I do believe Fant was a better pick than Bush, I think he graded out pretty low by season end in pass coverage, granted he was a rookie. We saw that Vic Fangio can cover up those issues. We thought he needed linebackers um, in this scheme. He basically told us, no, I don't, and then he showed it out there on the field. And the other thing, though, with Fangio, he had kind of the same experience in Chicago in 2015, and then one of his first moves in 2016 in the offseason was to go get Danny Trevathan. And we pounded the table last year to our hands hurt and Vic didn't listen. My hands hurt. I don't want to pound the table when no one's listening. If they go get Joe Schobert, though, that'll probably show. Bert. <laughs> yeah, Bert. That, that'll show Wyo Bronco, I think, what you want to see. This uh, <laughs> is not as entertaining. <laughs> oh, that was bad. It was so. I, I walked into that one, didn't I? I? I hope the listeners can hear how perfectly synced up Zach and I were in saying that at the exact same time. Oh man, so good. Um, Ten. What round would you realistically look at taking Edwards Hilaire right now? He is my pound the table for guy in this draft. I just love the juice he brings. Yeah, a lot of pounding tables going on. I like him. He's good. If he's there in round three? Yeah, sure, I'm in. Yep, yep, open round three. Uh, 11. You never know how, how many there's going to be. <laughs> Interesting time. We are entering with the changing of the guard at quarterbacks. Brady, Breeze, Big Ben, Rivers, E. Manning, all with their futures uncertain at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 12, boo to the bachelor. Spelled bachelor <laughs> wrong. <laughs> that seems like it would be a good – oh, you mix – Kids Baking Championship with <laughs> The Bachelor, and you get The Bachelor. And it's with kids? Well, no, it's like... Uh, You'd have to have a show, a, a show for for boys that's The Bachelor, and then the show for girls is The Bachelorette. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, Bachelor's amazing, and if you don't like it, I'm just convinced you haven't watched it. Tw- uh, 13, <laughs> tinfoil hat time. Does Bill want Brady gone? He built the top defense with himself running it while severely crippling the, crippling the offense to show it's him, not Brady. After all, he builds the roster. 
Yes, he brought in Gordon and Brown, but those are both high-risk, high-reward players. Not a typical Belichick move. Thanks, guys. Love the DNBR fam. Yeah, and that's why I think Brady's not back. I don't think Bill wants him. Or else wouldn't it be pretty obvious that he'd be coming back? Robert Kraft wants him. Robert Kraft said he wants Brady back or he wants Brady to retire. Brady was an active deterrent to their chances of winning the Super Bowl. I wouldn't blame, I wouldn't blame Bill. I don't, I'm not saying I blame him, but don't you think he's the one that doesn't want him back? I mean, if Bill wants him back, well, if, he's back. If Bill is sitting there on, standing there on the sideline, he's watching that playoff game, and he's seeing Ryan Tannehill make some throws that Tom Brady cannot make right now. Yeah. I love it. I can't wait to see what happens. Are you sure you want to say that? Yes. And I hope he comes to the AFC West. The Patriots will Are still Are you sure you yeah. want to say I'm that? I'm 100% sure I want to say that. Yeah, because there's a team in pretty close to us that's in the AFC West that S- could Stop it. Stop it, Zach. Stop. Oh, not that team. Not that team. Not the team only 10 minutes well, down the road. What, he, what I think RK is saying is that there's a two-thirds chance if he goes to the AFC West that he does not come to Denver, and he's riding the 66.7% chance that if Brady is in the AFC West, he is wearing a silver helmet or a white helmet. And that would be bad news. No, Good news. Bad Great news, news. Broncos. Fantastic news. Von Miller, Bradley Chubb. And hey, imagine if you sign Chris Jones. Yeah, Brady wouldn't even make it out of here. Uh, <laughs> all right. As we approach two... Oh, wait, there's a 14, Ryan. No. <laughs> no As we approach two hours and 40 minutes, which oh. might be an all-time uh, record. I think it is. That is enough for today. We are... Thank you guys for sending in your ratings. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for those especially who keep their comments brief. Uh, and... Thank you for all of the input that will come on the next podcast about favorite pop tarts. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast. It's getting me down, waiting up for you. Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will 
will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com.